You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for our final edition of Winter Olympics Month. It's our fourth and final film that we've been doing in kind of the last uh, four weeks. It's stretched out into two different months, but you know what we mean. We're here to talk about the iconic, the amazing, the newest... Actually, no, it's not because Tonya's newer. The second newest film that we've done out of these last four, Eddie the Eagle, based on the exploits of renowned British ski jumper, pretty much the only British ski jumper, uh, Eddie Edwards from the 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics. Uh, this is a fun film. It's going to be a fun episode, and I'm excited to talk about it. My name is Ben, and podcasting is all that matters. Otherwise, I would just drink and have sex all the time. Um, and my name is Colin, and in Oberstdorf, we do everything to the letter. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, Not the most quotable movie, is it? <laughs> <laughs> there were a few. I was going to go with um, Raspberry Nipple, uh, Article Stripple, or whatever that line is, but... Um, <laughs> Didn't quite plan out, but um, yeah, Eddie the Eagle, I, I'm excited to talk about this one. Obviously, when we kind of sat down and we're like, hey, let's do a Winter Olympics month. Okay, what about all those iconic Winter Olympics movies? Um, <laughs> luckily, there were at least three, and then I, Tonya, came out just about the right time. So, <laughs> we basically found all four of the four uh, that are the main ones, at least. But um, yeah, besides I, Tonya, this is the newest one, uh, came out in 2016, uh, and this is a movie that, uh, you just watched for the first time only a couple of hours ago. So, um, I might start with you in terms of just, um, your history of this film. When did you first see this film, Colin? Um, I saw it about five hours ago and, uh, <laughs> I guess I finished it more like three hours ago. Uh, I do remember when this came out and really wanted to see it and, um, most of the time when a movie comes out and I pitch Jamie on it, she's usually nice enough where... She'll be, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll go see whatever you want to see. And then as soon as we're watching, she's like, this is the most boring movie ever. Why'd you make me watch this? <laughs> uh, I, I got closer to getting her to see this movie because Hugh Jackman's in it, which is how I was able to get her to watch it with me this afternoon, too. Uh, but I, I don't know. We didn't end up seeing it when it first came out. And then uh, when it did eventually come out, like on Blu-ray, uh, I, I waited till it went on Netflix. It went on Netflix. And then... Probably within a few weeks of it being on Netflix, like we we map out so many of our months that we're doing and our recaps like well in advance. And I think this I got added to Netflix last spring, and already around that time we were talking about oh we should do like an Olympics month, and then we'll cover Eddie the Eagle. So I'm like let me just wait and I'll watch it for the first time when we do it. So uh, it got removed from Netflix 24 hours before I was going to watch this. Sadly, <laughs> so I had to find other means to uh, watch Eddie the Eagle. But I'm glad I finally did. I mean it's. You kind of described it uh, many times as basically being cool runnings. And uh, I think that, you know, I could definitely see the comparisons, but I was also glad that it wasn't so much like that. I think this focused a lot more on the training for the Olympics than just the Olympic experience itself. And I think there's some good differences between this and cool runnings. But uh, there were moments in this movie where I was really kind of not groaning, but thinking, uh,. Do I really buy this as some heroic story? Like, everybody else who's doubting him seems to have a good, solid point. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, just the way that the the whole thing is filmed, it's just it feels so heroic that you you just want to get up and cheer, which, of course, everybody, including my, you know, uh, less than two-year-old baby, seem to do in our household. Well, um, the thing that I really enjoy, and I kind of forgot about how much I enjoyed this, about this, um, is 
that, like, you know, you, I think you're similar to me, Colin, that, you know, you've always dreamed about being an Olympian, and clearly for you and I, that's still, a, you know, something in progress. <laughs> um, but the thing that I really like about this in different circle runnings is you just really feel like, like, wow, anyone could be an Olympian if they put their minds to it. Like, I don't know. It's just, I just always get like a bit, I don't say emotional. Well, fuck it. I get a bit emotional in this film just because it's just, you know, particularly all the stuff that he just dreams so much of wanting to be an Olympian. Then when he gets it at the end and just the scenes with his mom, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but, um, yeah. and that's kind of just what I, I remember watching this for the first time is maybe why I enjoyed it so much. And, um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's such an enjoyable film. Well, this is only the second time I've ever seen it, but, um, you know, I, I thought you probably would have also gotten Jamie to be sold on this film because of the um, the sparse sauna scenes, and at least in this movie, if you had seen it before, because you know Hugh Jackman yeah. doesn't actually take his shirt off in this film, but the Norwegians do. Yeah, yeah, I, I she didn't really comment on those. I mean, when really? Hugh Jackman's in a movie, it doesn't it doesn't matter who else is in the movie. Hugh Jackman's her only focus. It doesn't matter that Hugh Jackman's clothed and not showing any chest hair or any abs or anything like that. I mean, you could have 16 other naked guys on screen and, you know, she still just get Hugh Jackman back in there with his parka. <laughs> well, let's be honest. It is Hugh Jackman. Again, like, I've yet to meet a single person who dislikes a man. And if they do, they've got something wrong with them because um, he's the greatest Australian ever to be an Australian. Uh, is this the first film that we've actually done featuring Hugh Jackman as in a proper recap? I think it might be. I know you did a review of Logan, between, but not a recap. Yeah, I think between me and you... It would be, um, I'm, I'm trying to think, other than the Logan review, uh, we haven't really had the opportunity. We, we had planned to start the Oz Network off with yeah. all the X-Men series, and then delays, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, kill those plans. So we need to get more Hugh Jackman on. Bloody here. oath we do. Let's cover Real Steel. I love, can we just talk about how much, have you ever seen Real Steel? Never seen Real Steel, I'll be honest with you, never seen it. Oh. Great movie. Or Butter. I think we talked about Butter before, didn't we? Oh, probably. The Butter Carving Competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I, um, we just have Hugh Jackman month. Um, fuck it. <laughs> Hugh Jackman year. Um, yeah, I, I have seen him in, uh, plenty of things. I'm just trying to find his, uh, filmography. That's another You're thing. Like Kate and Leopold. I oh, can't say that's <laughs> in my top ten, but. <laughs> Like, Please don't say Australia. I love Australia. Don't you tell me you don't no. like Australia. What's wrong with Australia? That's racist. Terrible you don't like Australia. <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. Of course you wouldn't like Australia. It's in the vein of Titanic, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, it was like the other day when I did the, the review of, uh, Swinging Safari, I realized that that was actually the first Australian movie that we'd ever covered. So, um, you know, just random little things that you think you've done, but, um, just trying to look, oh, I really love Swordfish. Like we'd have to do Swordfish. Oh, yes. How good is that movie? Um, love it. I actually didn't mind Van Helsing. That was okay. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was in Blue Healers. Of course he was in Blue Healers. Every Australian actor who's ever been in Australia has been in Blue Healers. What a dumb thing to say. Um, I'm just trying to see what else he's, maybe there's things I haven't seen him in much. Yeah. Maybe it is only Australia, Swordfish. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, movie 43. Did you ever see that amazing movie? <laughs> no, but if you have not seen The Prestige, we are finding a way to add that this uh, year. I have not seen The Prestige. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, did I mention I like Australia? Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but this movie, uh, the, the interesting thing about this is um, I was watching an interview with the real Eddie Edwards and basically they came to him about 17 years before this movie was made and signed uh, on the dotted line for them to make a movie about him. 
Uh, and it just didn't happen for so long. Um, but then, so obviously, eventually it finally happened. So this was a long time coming, uh, to make a movie on Eddie Edwards. And I mean, did, were you, I know you've kind of mentioned about Calgary that, you know, you were alive, but you didn't necessarily pay too much attention to it. But I mean, was this something that you were aware of? This, were you very familiar with the story of Eddie Edwards? Cause I mean, you know, I knew about it. I, I'd kind of seen, you know, bits and pieces of this. And generally when people talk about like the Jamaican bobsled team, this is always usually mentioned in the same sentence cause it's in the same Olympics. But I mean, were you overly familiar with the story of Eddie Edwards? Um, uh, you know, it's, it's sad. I knew nothing about this story until the movie was coming out. And I'm like, oh, is that a true story? And I kind of just Googled to see what it was, which is even stranger because as I was doing a bit of research on Eddie Edwards this afternoon, I realized that during the Vancouver Olympics, when they had the torch relay across the country, Eddie Edwards is the one they had running it across Winnipeg here. <laughs> and I remember at the time probably seeing that on the news and just being like, oh, I wonder who this Eddie Edwards guy is. So <laughs> I knew nothing about it until the movie came out, which is I, I wish I had. I mean, Calgary, as I said, there was nothing really follow. You know, I was too young at the time, and uh, we didn't really have proper television. We lived in the metropolis of LaSalle, Manitoba, which if you go there now, you're probably going to be laughing at LaSalle, Manitoba. You go back then when we had uh, a school that had a maximum of like four grades and one class had like six kids in it. I mean, we weren't weren't really given like prime cable TV or anything like that to be able to watch this stuff on, but – I, mean, I don't know, even in the years since, I, I know so much about all the other Olympics, but somehow this story, I knew nothing about it. And I talked to people who aren't even big sports followers or big Olympic followers. And when I'll mention Eddie the Eagle to them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. And they're like the same age as I am. So maybe I, my parents just had me living under a rock. Yeah, they were, they were just afraid you would be, you know, um, I don't know, taken back by this. Running British- away to Seoul. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were scared. <gasps> That it would affect, um, it would affect you. But, uh, what's really interesting is kind of just other things in the real life thing. And I just want to mention this now because I feel I will forget to mention this at the end. Um, you know, we talked a lot about during the Cool Runnings one about like at the time how the Winter Olympics were different and kind of how it was sort of almost feasible that you could just walk up and be like, Hey, I want to be in the Olympics. Um, and that basically because of Eddie Edwards, they created these rules, which is called the Eddie the Eagle rule. Um, which, you know, they made it tougher. And I, you probably almost argue it was when it became more professional, like you sort of mentioned in that Cool Runnings episode about how the Winter Olympics were that different. Um, and the interesting thing is, is like, we, we obviously went over in the Cool Runnings episode about how Jamaica, like, you know, returned. They've competed since in the Olympics. It's not just a one-off, but poor old Eddie Edwards tried to qualify for 1992, 1994 and 1998 and never made it because of the new rules brought in because of him. So, um, mm. like, we, we, great, great positive ending at the end of this, but, uh, it's also got a bit more of a sad ending to know that he keep trying and he just never did it. Um, but this is, uh, a movie, uh, done by, um, Dexter Fletcher, who going into this, huh. uh, had, uh, directed Wild Bill, Sunshine on Leith, uh, two movies I'm sure that you've watched countless times. Um, but I'm more excited for the one that he's doing later this year, which, um, yeah. kind of leads us to hopefully maybe looking at the possibility of doing a bio month. I think that would be fun to kind of do a, a month just purely on films on, mm-hmm. you know, famous people. But he's doing the Freddie Mercury movie called Bohemian Rhapsody, which is at the end of this year. But, uh, are you familiar with Wild Bill or Sunshine on Leith? <laughs> no. Um, and one other thing I just want to mention about, uh, um, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie that's coming out is this is I th- I mean I'm sure he's gonna you know get some 
you know, credit on it or something. But Brian Singer, who did the X-Men movies, of course, uh, he was the director who was working on this. And when the whole sex scandal started to come out and all that, you know, Brian Singer was hit by that. So they kind of dropped him and brought in Fletcher to replace him. So I, I don't know if Dexter Fletcher is going to get his own credit on the end of this. This could end up being like a Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder, Justice League type deal. But, I mean, that's basically what his involvement is on it. But it's obviously a huge stepping stone, too. This mo- Another movie that, just like Eddie the Eagle, that had been in development for decades, really. And this guy just inherits it and comes in there and is able to pull it off. Hmm. Well, you mentioned Dexter Fletcher, also more of an actor, really, if I'm looking at here than a, a director. But, yeah, that was um, the one thing kind of getting sidetracked already. Welcome to the Oz Network, if you've never listened to us before. Uh, the one thing that I was very disappointed about the uh, Freddie Mercury movie is the fact that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen pulled out because uh, he just looks so much like him. I think he would have been perfect for the role. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge Queen fan. Um, you know, grew grew up with them and uh, very much looking forward to that. And I'm just noticing here, uh, Joseph Mazzello, aka um, Tim from Jurassic Park, um, he's playing uh, John Deacon, the bass player of Queen. So, wow, okay, little Timmy's back and he's playing a bass player of Queen. What he was born to play. Here comes the, oh, re- the- reimagination of Joseph Mazzello. <laughs> I mean, is, is it does it get any bigger than Gwillem Lee playing Brian May? I mean, <laughs> and Mike Myers is in it. What? Mike Myers is returning <laughs> as well. Holy crap! Things are getting real. <laughs> um, and the esteemed Rami Malek, who is of course playing uh, Freddie Mercury, although he's what has he been in? He's been in lots of things, hasn't he? I'm looking. It's that Mr. Robot TV show? Uh, okay. Oh, he's in Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two. Um. <laughs> Uh, who was in 24? He replaced Sasha Baron Cohen, who was in part one. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, no, he's in 24. That's where he looks familiar. There we go. All right, okay. Uh, but uh, also, of course, his movie, uh, you know, as we said, directed by Dexter Fletcher, but uh, starring uh, Taron Egerton, Hugh Jackman. I love how Christopher Walken gets third billing in this film. Uh, he's in it for like five seconds. Uh, but it's Christopher fucking Walken. Of course he deserves to get the third billing. Um... Uh, did you, were you familiar with Taron Egerton? I think I asked you this last week, didn't I? Because he was in, um, uh, Man, not Man from Uncle? No, the other one. Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that is the same movie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I was, I had no <laughs> idea who this guy is, and I think he's brilliant in this film. Can I just point that out right now? Oh. I mean, not just this movie. It, it, he's so totally different in this from w- the way he is in The Kingsman. And I remember watching The Kingsman, and I don't know, maybe about an hour into it, I was thinking, you know, this guy's just kind of uninteresting. He's just going to be another one of these, typical you know 20 something actors that 10 years from now everybody's gonna be like he should be the new james bond and you're like what well, he's kind of boring and everything and by the end of like the the first kingsman I'm, i was really sold on him and then the second kingsman even more and uh you know in this i mean it's such a completely different character it is very similar as we talked about i Tonya earlier on you know Mar- margot robbie kind of had like a lot of these glamorous roles and similar to like taron egerton and then all of a sudden they do this movie because it's completely different i mean here he's playing the least glamorous, glamorous character ever. He's not even really making himself recognizable. And I would argue he's probably not as well known for this as he is the Kingsman, but probably more respected for this than he is the Kingsman. I'm really hoping that this is a guy who's going to become like a massive Tom Hardy-like movie star, because I think he has that potential. He reminds me of Eddie Redmayne, um, and kind of, I thought... What a terrible thing to say! You don't like Eddie Redmayne? No? 
Did you ever see Jupiter Ascending? I saw the one he was, um, Stephen Hawking. That's about all I've seen him in. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. You didn't either. like it? Don't get me started on the theory of everything. Oh, Lord. Jesus Christ. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he kind of, he gave me a bit of a vibe. But, uh, he's Robin Hood in the 38th version of Robin Hood in the last 10 years coming out <laughs> this year. So, um, you know, he seems to be going from next strength to strength. So, Good for him. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman, have you heard of this guy called Hugh Jackman before? <laughs> oh, I haven't. My wife's a big fan. Oh, okay. I think he's from some weird country that's not America or Britain. Um, I actually, when I was going through my stuff the other day for moving, I found a magazine from 1999. It was, um, you know, top 100 moments in TV history. But as I was flicking through it, it's got this article on Hugh Jackman, and it's like, Hugh Jackman could be the next big thing in Hollywood as he plans to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> it's like, well, they were right. So, <laughs> um, but I, oh, yeah, look, we just went over Hugh Jackman. Can we just keep going over Hugh Jackman? He's awesome. Um, Christopher Walken, yes. Yes. Just Jamie, did she hear that? <laughs> Hi, Jamie. Uh, Jim Broadbent, your picture. He's in it for like uh-huh. five, five seconds. I like Jim Broadbent. He's, he's all right. He doesn't like Jim Broadbent, but. I just, uh, well, we'll get to it when we get there. <laughs> just remind me when he comes up on screen for one of two appearances. Who who has more screen time, him or Christopher Walken? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jim Broadbent does. Because yes. he has that slow-mo shot at the end. If it wasn't for the slow-mo shot that lasts for about 28 seconds on Jim Broadbent, he, uh, uh, Christopher Walken definitely would have had more. Well, I think we always need to update our listeners on what our pictures are on Skype. So yours is that. Mine is the uh, Norwegian coach. Who, when he's screaming, yeah. looks like some sort of Yeti character or something like that. So, um, <laughs> that's why I went for the screenshot of him screaming at the end. So, um, yes. Oh, ours are both from the same scene. That very long slow-mo <laughs> shot of everybody screaming, looking like maniacs. Uh, yes, exactly. I was going to go over the one with Hugh Jackman flicking the cigarette as he goes down the ski jump, but, uh, that doesn't really <laughs> come across well in a, in a single photo. If we could have a GIF or something like that. Um, there we go. Skype, make it so we can have profile pictures that are GIFs. Maybe you can. We just haven't worked that out. Um, but let's start off with this film. Uh, can I just point out from the get-go too, the soundtrack to this film is amazing. All of these films oh, yeah. that we've done, the soundtracks are great. Um, I did not talk that up enough in I, Tonya, I feel. Um, but yeah, we've had a really good month of, uh, soundtracks movies on this one. Uh, it starts off with Following is Based on a True Story, and I think kind of, um, this is a lot closer to the real story than compared to Cool Runnings was, but there's also a lot of fiction in this, just like Cool Runnings. Yeah. So, um, but I, I just love kind of this opening, you know, kind of montage stuff. And again, so many montages in all these movies that we can kind of lump stuff together, but we get little old 10-year-old Eddie Edwards just dreaming to be in the Olympics. He's holding his breath. Um, he beats his record, gets a bag, and he goes, oh, I'm off to Rome, um, which... The Olympics weren't in Rome anywhere near 1973. <laughs> uh, they were in Munich the year before, and they were about to be off in Montreal. So um, I'm not sure what that was. But um, but I, I just love kind of this bit where he walks out of the home and his mum's just like, oh, all right then. And then, like, his um, dad just kind of pulls up to the bus shelter and like, this Olympic medal stuff's driving me mad. I want to go home and watch It's a Knockout. Now, do you know what It's a Knockout is, Colin? I have no idea. Okay, so It's a Knockout. You, are you familiar with the show Wipeout? With, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I know that. It's one. a Knockout, similar, basically, like an old-school version of Wipeout. Like, it was very big here in Australia in the 80s, and then they redid it about three or four years ago. Uh, and, yeah, it's just basically people going through giant obstacle courses. Um, so, I'm guessing it's a British show, and that's where Australia got it from. Um, but that's just kind of funny that they keep mentioning It's a Knockout. Um 
But, uh, yeah, I just, I just love this whole opening sequence when he's, you know, going through all these dreams of being in the Olympics and trying out all these things. He's got knee braces on like Forrest Gump. Um, which we just needed a Jenny here. Run, Jenny, run! Um, and then she could go on to be like the president of the United States. Um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen House of Cards. Um, <laughs> I mean, not that she, you haven't seen that season. Shit. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. Now I'm not going to watch it. Well, no one is now because Kevin Spacey's not in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Robin Wright can hold it her own because she's Robin fucking Wright. Um, but yeah, we got a, like this montage of him breaking his glasses. He's doing, uh, what, pole vault snaps it in half. He's doing weightlifting. I just like this bit where he keeps seeing his glasses in this biscuit tin. Uh, and his dad has enough. You're gonna, you're gonna be learn to be a plasterer. Uh, so he ends up on a plaster building site, which just happens to be next to this giant skiing facility. Now, look, I think a lot about Britain, a great, good old Britain. Uh, I don't necessarily think a whole lot of Britain's Winter Olympic success. Um, but having said that, they've actually won, I think, a lot more medals than people realise. Um, they, we mentioned, I think, in Miracle, didn't we, that they won a gold in ice hockey. Um, so go Britain. Um, he sees this facility and that's enough for him to want to become a skier. Uh, so he said, I'm going to go to the Winter Olympics instead. Um, and we actually, he actually gets kind of okay at it. He's, uh, making sort of teams. He's finishing third in events. So he's pretty darn good when it comes to, um, skiing. And we're about to see, uh, the announcement of the, uh, 1988 British skiing team. Noah would have loved this movie with snooty <laughs> British people here. Um, so we have like the head of the British Olympic Committee here. Oh yes, here are 14 fine young gentlemen ready to go for your sponsorship. Oh, I'm British. He would be perfect on the Titanic. Um, <laughs> but then as they all come skiing down this mountain, uh, Eddie knocks everyone down. Um, and then basically is told that he's not going to be selected. Uh, he's not Olympic material. Um, so poor old Eddie. Um, I just, I think it's kind of weird that, like, okay, he's been on this ski team for however many years. He's, he's done all right. He's won trophies. He's been in the top three and all this sort of stuff. And then basically he's just told, like, why, why at the first place is he even in the top 14? Like, should they have just not said to him the whole time? Like, no, you can fuck off Edwards. Like, it's just. There's only 14 of them in the whole country. Yeah. <laughs> You're last, Edwards. Um, but I mean, it really does seem to be that it's just a simple case of, you know, uh, similar to I, Tonya, like they're just judge- judging them based on their status rather than their ability. And this is just the British. Uh, <laughs> no, fuck off. Go back to, I can't, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, um. Don't take plasters on the ski team, Eddie. Go and plaster my wall, you incognit git. Um. <laughs> Have some cucumber sandwiches. Oh, wait, no, you would have a... Like, what sandwiches are you eating on the building site? Um, <laughs> but speaking of building sites, so his dad and um, Eddie are eating sandwiches. Uh, basically... Bologna sandwiches? <laughs> Bologna? Oh, no. What are you drinking? Coca-Cola, not tea. <laughs> oh. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Uh, we just not exactly the food of champions, Edwards. <laughs> Weren't you in the man from Uncle? Now you're just in the man from <laughs> Nephew, you skitty little poo-head. Uh, <laughs> the whole episode in man, that train from the boy from Oz. <laughs> Talk about an Olympian. You couldn't even make the Junior Goodwill Games and play against Iceland. 
<laughs> it's always about the junior goodwill gains. Um, <laughs> Good crowd for the Cambodian women's hockey team. <laughs> was it a Bulgaria or whatever? One of those countries. <laughs> Go try out to that hockey team they spoke about in the Aussie Network last week that were terrible. <laughs> Can't remember the name, but who cares? They were terrible. At least Britain won a gold once. They would never win a gold. Oh. Did you know my grandfather? He was on the Titanic. Yes. Oh. Uh. <laughs> we need to stop doing British movies. Um, I'm so glad we don't do like Chinese movies. Then we'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, but <laughs> I'm lumping all this together. There's been a lot of time passing in these. Obviously, Eddie's grown up now. He's not 10, by the way. I should have pointed that out. Like, there's been time passes. <laughs> He's no longer got the leg braces. He's not skiing with leg braces. Um, but, so, he's having a conversation with his dad. Um, and basically, this is the part where he's going to give up. He's not going to make a career out of downhill skiing. Uh, gets all sad. He goes to remove his poster in his room of his Winter Olympics, but then he sees a little picture of a ski jumper in the bottom corner, looks it all up, and we kind of get a uh, little montage video similar to what we had on Cool Runnings of just everyone crashing. Um, now, I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if this is a mistake or, like, again, you know more about winter sports than me, but they mentioned in this video that he's watching, ski jumping is the most difficult of all the alpine disciplines. Now, ski jumping's not alpine skiing, it's just its own sport, right? Um, is it? I don't know. Well, it's classified in the Olympics, at least, as just its own sport. It's not, it doesn't fall under the yeah. alpine skiing banner, but I mean, I don't know if on the grand scheme of things, ski jumping was initially an alpine. What is alpine yeah, skiing? Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, alpine would be, I, I think, like downhill. Yeah, that's like the I downhill mean, this is technically slum. downhill, but off a jump. Yeah. Um, so that's where, like, I don't know if it used to be classified under alpine and then it just went out on its own or, um, but that's kind of where I was like, oh, that's not true. It's not classified under the Alpine skiing banner. Um, but basically, this is where he decides he wants to become a ski jumper. He finds out um, that they have not had a British ski jumper since 1929, Hector Mooney. Um, and uh, he holds a British record of 22.9 metres. And uh, basically, this is where he decides he's going to be a ski jumper and he's going to go to Germany and train because he knows that if he makes it, he will be the only British ski jumper because they don't have any. I just lumped all of that opening, what, like 10 minutes together. But I mean, again, it's one of these ones where, again, we've got a lot of montages, a lot of things kind of just setting up the story. And it's really just the whole first portion of the film because now we're about to see him go off to Germany and train for like the next half an hour. Yeah, I was wondering where that Rome thing came from as well. I mean, when was the last time the Olympics even were even in Rome? Six, I mean, do you know? 60 or 64? I think 64, because Melbourne was 56, was Tokyo 60, and then Rome 64? Rome and Tokyo were right. in 64. Maybe I'm got it around the wrong. I'll confirm that. So, I mean, the last time his parents let him watch the Olympics, he was two years old, and <laughs> uh, it's been his dream since. And he's been running away since the age of two, apparently. Uh, I, I, I love the way to this interrupt you. 1960, they were in Rome. All right, so he was a fetus, yeah. apparently. <laughs> 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 or traveling back in time or something like that. <laughs> Either that or just the books but, are a little bit older there in, um, what were they, in Bristol yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, but I, I love the way that this plays out, too, with, uh, you know, uh, bye, Mom, I'm off to Rome for the Olympics. <laughs> okay, Eddie, make sure you pack a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> And even the dad, I mean, I feel like the dad, this, this is kind of like your 80s movie cliche here, like the dad doesn't believe in him. 
And I mean, I give this dad a lot more credit than I think the movie is giving him because even at the beginning here, I mean, his son is running away on a daily basis, and this doesn't look like the nicest area in you know in all of England. And he lets him go for a while, you know, gives him his freedom, and then comes like, "Come on, why don't you come back inside? Let's watch some people running around in giant potato suits, uh, <laughs> jumping off, you know, all these obstacles and all that." What's the show called? It's a knockout. It's a knockout. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to watch that show now. It's, we'll it's cover funny. it next week. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the dad, I, yeah, he's the one who's kind of the realist here. But I think Eddie kind of needs that because, you know, obviously he's a kid here. He thinks he can run away to the Olympics. And the dad kind of pushes him to a little bit of discipline, even if it's inadvertent. I, I don't know. I, I think the dad's a misunderstood character throughout this movie. There's a lot of times where I'm like, this mom's really overstepping the line here. I mean, Aww, she, she I love the mom. But, okay. I love the mom too, but when she gives away their car and this guy has no way to drive to work, and he's a camper to work. I mean, I feel really bad for him now, for this pipe dream of their kids or whatever. But uh, here's the other thing. I mean, yeah, I definitely identify with this as well. I mean, I'm probably the same way. If I were to go to the Olympics, I wouldn't care what the sport is. Yeah, I would just try anything until I could find something I'm good at. But in this movie, he basically is Doris from. Uh, <laughs> He does not care, you know, what he's doing. Hey, if I fail at this, I'll just find a loophole and get in the loophole. He really is just chasing the glory and the fame. Another area where later in the movie, I get everybody else's point against this guy. But, I mean, he's such, like, a nice guy that it's an endearing quality. He just he doesn't care what the sport is. We see him trying, like, 16 different sports here. And we also just realize that he's basically a serial failure. I mean, that's what Eddie Edwards is. Again, I can relate. Eventually... <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could all relate. We're all serial failures here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's endearing because it doesn't bother him when he fails. And that's probably what connected people. You know, we talked about in Cool Runnings why this story was made. Why would they make the story about the Olympic bobsled team? Was it just the gimmick that, you know, uh, Jamaicans are on a bobsled on ice or was it the whole storyline about them crashing and still wanting to cross the finish line and i think it was that you know just the the perseverance and uh really wanting to compete and just just wanting to be there and it's very similar with this movie i don't think you really need to have somebody that's like this disciplined athlete it sort of is just about you know if you want to do this just find a way to do it and work hard because Regardless of whether he succeeds or not, I think the whole point of this movie is that he worked harder than anybody else. And I don't think we got that. That's one thing I will say with this movie over Cool Runnings. Even just this montage at the beginning here of him wiping out over and over again, we don't get that with Cool Runnings. I mean, in Cool Runnings, they're basically all very successful runners. They have one accident, they wipe out, and then they say, we're going to get to the Olympics before we even set foot in a bobsled. And they really are the luckiest guys in the world in Cool Runnings because they did nothing to earn it. <laughs> you know, it, it. Whereas in this, he does earn it. So I kind of like that. Uh, you mentioned the the music too. I mean, uh. The music's outside of Strange... Well, I'm not going to say outside of. Along with Strange... I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Stranger Things. Not yet. It's on the to-do list. <laughs> well, the, the music in Stranger Things is so authentically like early to mid-80s that you honestly believe it was just plucked out of some other obscure movie that nobody had heard of. And that's the way I feel with the mu music in this. At no point does it feel like a modern movie score. All of it sounds like something that came out of 1988. You know, it's cheesy. It's over the top. It's It's got a lot of keyboards in it. Um, there's really no other instruments other than a keyboard. But it's so much fun because you kind of remember those classic 80 movies. And uh, here's the other, the only other thing. Um, there's something really weird that happened in this movie. And I'll talk about it several times throughout. But... 
my baby Casper was intently watching this movie. And every once in a while when we do these recaps, I like to mention the part that catches attention. Like in Cool Runnings, it caught his attention when Dougie Doug was <laughs> taking all of his clothes off and then putting all the other clothes on and fast. He thought that was hysterical. And then he turned away for the rest of the movie until he saw a bobsled, which I don't think I mentioned this, until he saw a bobsled and he started going, choo-choo, like he thought it was a train. <laughs> but um, with this movie, he hasn't even done anything yet. I think – it was just at the point where he knocked everybody else over on the skis, and he was sort of watching it. And then I just – I kept watching the movie and didn't even notice. Next thing I knew, I look over, and he's sitting next to me on the couch, and as he had been for five minutes straight, just watching as it's him talking to, like, these Olympic Council guys and, you know, watching the TV footage of the uh, the ski jumping and everything. And these aren't the things that should grab a kid's attention, but that was just the beginning of a lot of things in this movie that he absolutely loved, and I can't even put my finger on it. Well. <clears throat> excuse me, um, he is going to be an Olympic ski jumper or he's just going to be a serial failure like uh, us and Eddie. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I know what I want to do. Yeah. I want to fail at everything I try. The music, the score, Matthew Margeson, um, who he's worked on, he did the music for The Kingsman. Um, he worked on Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, this is the end, G.I. Joe, Wreck-It Ralph. Um, X-Men First Class. Um, yeah, he's, he's worked on a lot of these movies. But yeah, I agree. Everything you said there, the music is just so good. And, um, just the song usage too. We'll get to a lot of that. Like I told, said about the credit song. It's actually the second song in the credit, which I like the best, but the first song they use in the credits is still amazing. Both songs in the credits are great. Um, but you know, just kind of the use of like the 80s songs, like, you know, two tribes using their jump. Um, just some great, great 80s music. Um, which, you know, people either love or hate the 80s music. What's your thought on 80s music, Colin? Oh, there is one song in this movie. I don't know if you can guess it because you mentioned all the other ones, but when it comes <laughs> up, I am like the biggest fan of it. Like, that's my greatest guilty pleasure. Um, it's not Die Another Day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, was it one of the ones I mentioned or? No, 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 it's not one of the ones you mentioned. Oh, okay. Well, it's a, it'll be a montage song. It, it's a bit, I basically make about three pages of notes on this song. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what is it? I need to know now. Oh, Hall Notes. Oh, you wait till the notes. You oh, make my oh, Hall of Notes. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they said notes. I like Hall of Notes. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my notes on Google Drive and you can read it for yourself. <laughs> Your Hall of Notes, Hall of Notes notes. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a, Come on. I, I mean, I like Hollow Notes, but it just always, just, they remind me of a breakfast cereal. Like, I always feel like that's something that you eat in the morning. Can I have a bowl, can I have a bowl of Hollow Notes? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Honey Nut Hollow Notes. <laughs> what was that, um, oh, that song, uh, I mean, I know they had lots, shut up. Um, but, um, oh, there's that one song of theirs I absolutely love. Um, Man Eater, Good Eyes. Uh, well, they're good songs. Um, Out of Touch. Rock. Out of Touch. <laughs> Out of Touch. Yeah. You know, do you know that one? Uh, you'd have to sing it for me. Uh, you're out of touch. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was on Vice City. It was on Grand Theft Auto. And then they had, they had, uh, yeah. They had another one that was on, um, the newest Grand Theft Auto. They had one called Adult Education as well. Um, but girl, rich girl's a great song. They've got some good songs. I've just looked at my iTunes. I've got a few of their songs actually. So, <laughs> Hollow Notes Oz, please. <laughs> this week on Hollow Notes Oz, like, what would you do for a band? Like every week, you recap a song. This week, Man Eater. <laughs> I found. I was just 
flipping through just random podcasts one day and I found one that was called God of Thunder. And I'm like, I wonder if that's like the, you know, Thor or something like that. And I added it and I realized it was guys who have currently done like dozens of episodes and every week they just pick a different song of Kiss and they spend like an hour talking about the song. So the next note that comes up here, it's like the, I don't know how they have that much time, but if we could do that for Hall & Oates, I would be happy. Well, what about those ones where when we did your favourite Titanic? Don't yell at me! I'm, there's a point to this. Um, <laughs> we got tweeted by a, another podcast because there's... Oh, a, the minute one? The one, yeah, they literally recap a minute of a film in, like, what, an hour. Um, so they were doing that for Titanic. They'd done it for Jurassic Park. So like, they're just like, okay, we're going to be recapping minute 61 <laughs> to 62. This is what happens. Like, that's actually yes. a really clever idea, if you have to be completely honest. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing Hall & Oates Oz this week, Maneater. Oh, here she comes. She's a Maneater. <laughs> we just have to decide if we want to call it Honey Nut Hall & Oates, <laughs> Multigrain Hall & Oates, or Apple Cinnamon Hall & Oates. <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. Um, <laughs> the official breakfast cereal of the Oz Network, Hall and Oats. Uh, <laughs> we just need to do a cheesy commercial for YouTube. Hi, my name's Colin Hilding. Every morning I wake up, I have a crunchy bowl of Hall and Oats. What about you, Ben? <laughs> Absolutely, Colin. Everyone would think it's a man eater. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I wonder what they're doing right now. Like at this moment in time when we're recording this. What is Hall & Oates doing? Do you think they're just, like, watching Netflix or, like, <laughs> writing a new song? I mean, are they on Twitter? they are. <laughs> Tweet them. Hi, Hall & Oates. What are you doing right now? <laughs> We're recording a podcast talking about you. <laughs> Do you not just think that? Do you just sit around and think, like, what's this celebrity doing right now? You know? Like, what's Hugh Jackman yeah, right now in time? Is he, like, what is he doing? Once in a while, I will do that. I, it'll just be like the most boring day of my life, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just sort of staring at the ceiling, you know, counting the the, uh, the flies that are inside of the the light cover. And I'm like, you gotta wonder if Taryn Egerton's ever sat there and stood and stared at his light cover to count the flies or mosquitoes. You wonder, wonder if um, Taryn Egerton's listening to Hall and Oates right now, like. <laughs> He's just chilling. Oh, I might put on some Hall and Oats. Oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Whoa. Oh. The music's great in this film. Um, anyway. So, Eddie's in Germany. By the way, four hours ago, John Oates posted on Twitter, I posted a new video to Facebook with a link. So, that's what Hall and Oates are up to. Is it if you're watching new Netflix? videos to Facebook? <laughs> Here's my review of Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> what if they were just like tweeting like Donald Trump? Like, saw Eddie the Eagle. Didn't have enough eagle in it. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> no one's used my music as better as they have in Eddie the Eagle. No word of a lie. That's never been as big as it was in Eddie the Eagle. Um, oh, Hall and Oates are going on tour with Train this summer. Shut up! Shut up and take my money! <laughs> I'm there! Front row! <laughs> Were they the ones who did Hey Soul Sister? Is that Train? Yeah, that was Train. That and uh, Drops of Jupiter. Oh, that's right. Yeah. My mom would always call the song Drops of Juniper. 
<laughs> hey, tell me when I don't even know the lyrics of that song. All I know is drops of what is drops of Jupiter? Like if if Jupiter was dropping on us, we'd be dead. It's that big of a planet. Come on. Uh, I, don't know, I, I thought I always thought it was about a girl. Like she just had like you know a drooling issue or something. <laughs> she had the runs. <laughs> oh, there's drops coming out of Jupiter again. Quick, get some incontinence pads. Jupiter ascending. Uh, all the notes is coming this summer. <laughs> yeah, I, I much prefer the band Car over Train. Uh, I much prefer, that's a bad joke. Move on. Um, right. So Eddie's in Germany. Uh, <laughs> I do love the um, the the mistake on IMDb where it says about how oh he would actually be in West Germany, not Germany, in 1987. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Can I just point out, 1987, year I was born. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> sure, everyone at home wanted to know that. Um, I, I saw it as the newspaper <laughs> clipping me. right below. Eddie the Eagle competes at the Olympics. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, sorry for that burp. I just thought I'd, you know, add that because I was a baby in 1987. It's just a mainstay on the Oz Network now. It has to be in every episode. Um, I mean, I've skipped over a fair bit of him, like, you know, the, another conversa- conversation with his dad when he's at the bus stop. And um, I do like the bit when he says, I love the mum and dad in this film. I just love them. And I just love it when the mum turns around and is like, oh, no, he's like, oh, we haven't been in a holiday in three years. Your mother loves going to Blackpool. No, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, I've just discovered that the actor who plays the dad is Keith Allen, who is the dad of the singer Lily Allen, who I absolutely hate. Uh, Who's Lily Allen? Oh, don't look her up. She was some English singer who was famous in the late 2000s. Who, she, she would like speak sing. She was just terrible. A friend of mine loved her and ugh, she was annoying as hell. Um, there's also apparently a New Zealand MP called Keith Allen. Cool. Uh, <laughs> okay, people at home. This is why we covered this movie last, people. <laughs> people in New Zealand are going, oh, is this the New Zealand MP? No, it's not. It's the actor. Um, so anyway, he shows up to, uh, Germany, uh, Garmisch Paratechn in Germany, um, where he, um, I love it. Is this where he meets the Finnish guy straight away? It is, yeah. So he like yeah. walks up. And I love, I love the Finnish dude. What's his name? Um, Matti Nikonen. Um, and he just walks up. You're, you're flying Finn. Yes. Would you like an autograph? Oh, yeah. <laughs> takes a pen, gives a bus ticket. No. And he just walks up. <laughs> <laughs> He's so Finnish. That is the Finns. Like he, this guy is brilliant as playing a Finnish person. And this is like, this is real. So this isn't like Cool Runnings where it's like, what, Joseph Gruel. Um, you know, fake. This person, Matty Nick, 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 the Finnish guy, uh, is actually <laughs> based off the real life person who, at these games, won three gold medals. Um, a legend. Apparently, they made a film about him in Finland. Uh, <laughs> so we need to track that down. Um, but I'm actually, um, looking this up, and in real life, this Matty Nikonainen, um, is a huge celebrity. But in Finland, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a, I don't know, um, Kevin Spacey, maybe? Uh, I don't, I don't. Uh. <laughs> he, he's, um, I'm reading here on Wikipedia. 
Since the 1990s, Nikonen's status as a celebrity has been mainly fueled by his colourful personal relationships, his career as a pop singer, and various incidents often related <laughs> to heavy use of alcohol and violent behaviour. He was sentenced to 26 months in prison following a stabbing incident in 2004, and again for 16 months following aggravated assault on his wife in 2009. I, look, I, that's all terrible that he's like stabbed people and bashed his wife. Where do we find his pop Pop music. <laughs> I want to find Finnish pop music. It would just be like, oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Whoa, here she comes. She's a man eater. Like, that would be Finnish pop. <laughs> I got I'm like leaning here. In 2002, he made comeback as a singer and released a single, Eka Otten, Eka N. He also gave his name to a cider brand. In 2006, he released his third studio album. <laughs> In 2009, he began to present his own cooking web series, Matanen Se Soppen Keti. North Which Korea. Of Sorry. You're a rich girl, and you've gone too far, because you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. <laughs> Tell me when the drops of Jupiter fall. <laughs> hey, soul sister. <laughs> that on the radio. <laughs> he, the, the North Korea produced a stamp on him. <laughs> This is great. I found him performing. Oh, God. I'm so... Can we just stop recording? He basically sings exactly the way we just described him. <laughs> All right. Cut this in. Cut this episode. We're not doing anything eagle anymore. We're doing <laughs> Matty McNinanan. <laughs> um, he actually... Can we just point out that... He's a, he went on in real life, four gold medals, three of them came in Calgary, he won a gold in Sarajevo and a silver in, so he's a five-time Olympic medalist, um, he just happens to beat women, so that's not very nice. Uh, <laughs> and stab people. <laughs> and stab people. <laughs> I love your personal life. Nakayan has been married several times. Tina Hassanen, 86-88, one son. Pia Hianananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananananan
<laughs> I've just clicked on this. <laughs> this gets even better. Sorry if you're tuning in to really get into Eddie the Eagle, but we're learning here about finger harlequin. <laughs> no, hang on. Finger hucklin is an old athletic sport practiced in many regions, among them the Alps, predominantly Bavaria and Austria, Scandinavia and Finland. When practicing finger harlequin, both opponents are sitting at a table opposite to each other and try to pull the opponent to himself on the finger over the table border by physical force, overcoming the stretching pain in appropriate technique. The opponent can be defeated. Usually, the opponents hook the middle fingers in a leather strap in principle. However, every finger is allowed, except the thumb. Some this is this an Olympic sport? Why is wrestling an Olympic sport, but this isn't? <laughs> Dressage. Dressage. <laughs> no finger pulling. <laughs> Rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> Sailing. I want two fin- man luge. Two man luge. <laughs> finger harkling. That's going to be at the Ben Lomond 2026 Winter Olympics. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Eddie's in Germany. Uh, <laughs> Where he's lucky to ask for an autograph and not for a finger-pulling competition. Can you sign my CD? <laughs> Only if you pull my finger. <laughs> I'm actually friends with the Finnish guy. I'm going to ask him next time I say, can we play a game of finger hackling? He'll probably try and stab me. <laughs> no, Ben. No. <laughs> Um, but the point is, I like the Finnish guy in this film even more now. <laughs> um, I just, anyway, um, so he is looking up at these massive hills. He basically sleeps in a, um, a cupboard at this German bar where he's got rapey German bartender lady. Oh. I don't like, like, I don't get it because she really, from this scene onwards, is nothing from this point on. Yeah. Because Hugh Jackman takes over as like his, you know, de facto caretaker. But like, just the way she's like, an Englishman sleeping in my cupboard happens a lot. Sometimes I come in and I sleep in with them. Would you like me to come in and sleep with you? Like, what? Is this how all bartenders are in Germany? I'm going to Germany. Uh, <laughs> Like you reverse this scene, and it's got hashtag Me Too written all yeah. over it. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Edwards has come out like all these accusations. <laughs> yes, I was assaulted by a German bartender. Uh, <laughs> uh, once again on the Oz Network, she last to pull her finger. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't stab her. I'm not Finnish. Uh, <laughs> didn't release a pop CD either, or a web cooking show. Um. So we kind of get a bit of a more of a montage here. He goes onto the 15 meter hill, lands it. What does he say? What a doddle! Uh, like even what? 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 Like what's what? a doddle? <laughs> oh right, okay. <laughs> We're both like what? <laughs> um, I was going to say like as an Australian, we generally understand British slang. Uh, I don't know what a doddle is. Um. I mean, the British version of finger harkalarkin or something. <laughs> um, a very easy pass. Oh yeah, I just, a doddle. I just saw that too. Oh, what, 
What a very easy task. <laughs> so then he's like, oh, I think I'm ready for the big one. I do love the way that, like, throughout this, he's just kind of like, oh, I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> like, just because he... Yeah. That, that's me. Like, legitimately, that is me. Like, <laughs> when I'm learning a language, it's like, oh, I've read five numbers in French. I'm fluent. <laughs> <laughs> I just automatically... I do a podcast. I must be famous. Uh, <laughs> like, you know when you're watching TV and there'll be, like, um, I don't know, one of these shows and they'll have, like, their subtitle underneath is, like, social media expert. Like, what is that? Because they use Facebook? They're an expert? Like, can, can you... Like, I have legitimately... This is true, though. Like, you know this is true. I have been asked to appear on ra- other radio stations in Hobart because I have been semi-involved in Olympic things. As an ex- Like, as an expert. They had me on during the Rio Olympics as an Olympic expert to talk about the Olympics. I'm like, dude, I started a fake Olympic bid and I host a podcast that started about three days ago. You're just giving me promotion. Thanks for that. Uh, so I'm kind of expecting a call-up during the uh, Pyeongchang Games. <laughs> hey, there's our Olympic expert, Ben Waterworth. Put him on the show again. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so he goes on to the bigger jump. He falls. I love just kind of him, like, a get straight up. Um, and then he, like, this is the part where Jamie's going to like. When he goes back into the bar, he sees the Norwegian skiers, and he follows them into the sauna, and they're all naked. Um, I didn't realise ski jumpers were so ripped. Like, you know, I mean, I don't think you needed to be that athletic. All athletes are. Did Jamie like this scene, though? I know you kind of alluded to it before that she didn't really pay attention, but come on, she was watching this scene. I'm sure she was. She didn't make mention of it. Um, but that's partly because I had... Well, we'll get to why I kind of diverted the conversation in a second once you're, once you're, uh, you're wrapped up here. She stored it in the memory bank for later. Um, but... <laughs> She started, she started like taking pictures of the screen. <laughs> uh, Colin, I've just got to go check something in our room. I'll be back in about yeah. seven minutes. <laughs> oh, I think you hear Casper crying. Casper's right next to me. Oh, it's the other baby. No, it's the other baby. Just BRB. Uh, where'd you put the batteries, love? Um, but <laughs> Ben, there's a line. You crossed it. Um, but <laughs> I love it when they're like, have you been jumping long? Oh, yesterday afternoon. It's like, how old yeah. are you? 22. In Norway, you have to be six years old. Sometimes younger. Um, I, I do like the line when he says, it's a bit too late, Mr. Britain man. Um, this is the difference between Norwegians and Finnish people, all right? Finnish people have that monotone sort of standard accent, but they're also quite hilarious and will stab you if you lose at finger laughing. <laughs> Norwegians... Just, just, they, I don't know, they're a bit cocky, the Norwegians. Like, I, I don't know how you feel about Norway. Hello to all our Norwegians yeah. listening. Um, I don't, know. I don't have strong opinions on one way or the other. I, I don't think I've ever met a Norwegian, if I'm completely honest with you. But, um, I'm like an eighth Swedish, so I, I feel like I'm allowed to rip shit into the Scandinavian countries. Um, don't get me started on the Danes. Um, are they, I, no, they're not. I'm thinking of Iceland. Whatever. Um, Ben gets racist again. Um, but <laughs> um, this is where um, he we get the two tribes music. I'm just reading through my notes here. We get a bit of a crash montage here. Um, and this is where we meet Hugh Jackman for the first time. He's driving the, uh, what is it, like the snow Zamboni? What do you call those things? <laughs> Snowplow? I don't know. I just love the way he 
Wikipedia describes him as alcoholic snow groomer Bronson Peary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's what Hugh Jackman's agent came to him. All right, Hugh, uh, how would you like to play an alcoholic snowplower? Uh, oh, that's, that's right up my alley. I've always wanted to play that role. Um, but <laughs> I like the one way- more off the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I love the way, what is he talking about? His jacket, and he refers to his, like, little flask yeah. as his jacket. Uh, you know, get off my slope. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like the first introduction, and then we're back with horny German woman. We're seeing, um, the book Warren Sharp, My Life in Ski Jumping. Doesn't that look like a boring book? <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you want to sell a book, like, it's not like Usain Bolt, My Life in Running, with, like, this really weird, ugly photo of you on the front book. Like, I know it was the 80s, but come on. Like, just, who's walking past that book in, like, you know, a bookstore? (laughs) Holy crap, Warren Sharp, My Life in Ski Jumping, I'm buying this! And, like, maybe the audiobook that Walken's narrating, like, two two fins pulled each other's fingers. (laughs) The knife came Someone out. Got stabbed. It stabbed over and over. So much blood was everywhere. <laughs> blood bleeding. Bleeding everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Starting with Walkins again. <laughs> but we obviously learn that uh, our drunken snowplower, Bronson Peary, um, is an American <laughs> ski jumper... Who was kicked off? We, we, the thing is, I guess it's the difference between this and cool runnings is, you know, you obviously later find out with Irv that, you know, he put weights in the sled and cheated, but you kind of only get the, the vibe here with Hugh Jackman that he thought he was bigger than the sport himself. He enjoyed drinking and women. Um, and then that's why Christopher Walken kicked him off the team. I mean, like, no disrespect to our American listeners, but that's just Americans. Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, Where's Christopher Walken from? Like, come on. Like, Ryan, Ryan Lochte does worse on a daily basis <laughs> when he's not competing. He's, he's watching this movie. I don't get it. Why did he get kicked off the team? <laughs> That's so unfair, man. What's ski jumping? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just hope that NBC gets Ryan Lochte on during their coverage of the Olympics? Yes. <laughs> and now to provide his insight on the ice dancing, Ryan Lochte. <laughs> Yeah, so I was on Dancing with the Stars, so I know all about ice dancing. He's a man on his feet and he's a man on the skates. <laughs> you can buy my book on skating. <laughs> Just provide eight to ten years for postage. <laughs> a, a group of Brazilians came up to me and my friends. They said, pull my finger. I'm like, Go. You pull my finger. And then they held a gun to my friend's head. And they all were like, all right, all right, we give up. And I'm like, whatever, man. You know what I can just imagine Ryan Lochte being like? I don't know if you ever watched much of How I Met Your Mother, but uh, you know how, like, Barney would elaborate stories and it would just be literally a scene from another movie? And they'd be like, Barney, that's from Dirty Dancing. Or Barney, you know, that's from Weekend of Birth. So I can just imagine Ryan Lochte like, so yeah, like, I played, like, finger pulling. Then, like, Christopher Walken walked in and talked to Hugh Jackman. And 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 then they landed the jump and <laughs> and then and then I got taken and then like my dad Liam Neeson was on the phone saying like I will find you and I will hunt you down <laughs> Ryan that didn't happen it did man it so happened you're a man in the sheets you're a man in the eyes. <laughs> 
and the boat hit an iceberg and it was going down. But I wouldn't go down. I swam against the current because I'm Ryan Lochte and all, you know? She said, never let go. She said, never let go. So fuck it, man. I never let go. I'm Ryan Lochte. So I swam all those survivors back to New York. But then there was this shark and this guy said, we're going to need a bigger boat. So I went and got a bigger boat. And I punched that shark right in the head. But then there was a tornado and all these other sharks came. Which I was fully equipped to handle because at the time I was on with a plane with snakes all over it. But then Gary Oldman came and tried to hijack it. And when Darth Vader said, I'm your fire father, Ryan Lochte, I'm like, no, man. I looked out the window. I was like, no, man. And then I saw Princess Leia, like Mary Poppins. She was just floating by. <laughs> and this kid had a broom. Challenge to see if I can keep my voice by the end of this episode. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, Christopher Walken has a book on ski jumping. <laughs> he wrote this book, you know? My life in ski jumping. <laughs> um, so, um, Eddie's discovered this, um, goes along. Tries to wake up Hugh Jackman, who... Oh, no, this isn't when he's asleep. He's under the car, isn't he? Um, yeah. He wants his jacket. Uh, I do, the one thing I'll say about Taron Egerton here, just the way he, like, acts... I, just his mannerisms, the way he's got, like, kind of that jaw. Like, if you actually watch, sort of, footage of Eddie Edwards, like, he's got, he got it down pat. And I just love his, kind of, like, his mannerisms, the way he, like, you know, points at the jacket, like, this is the Olympics. And, like, the way he's, like, does his thumbs up and... Just all this kind of stuff. It's like so funny, but um, obviously this is kind of similarities to Cool Runnings. You know, this is Irv not wanting to help out Dereese. This is now you know Hugh Jackman not wanting to help out Eddie. Um, he's watching the the hill, the ninety no the seventy meter jump. Um, and yeah, what? Uh, I'm just gonna call him Hugh Jackman, not Bronson. What's a stupid name? He's Bronson. I had a cat called Bronson once. Um, but <laughs> like true story. That stupid cat with that. <laughs> That darn cat! <laughs> um, but, um, he, he's sort of going past in his snow Zamboni and he's like, oh, look at this guy, he's number two in the world. Um, he crashes and he's like, oh, you know, if even he can crash and he knew what he was doing. Um, I do love, um, what's the bit when he goes into, oh, this is the bit when he goes into the bar and he, he's just like, hi, Bronson! <laughs> just he's down. Um, we had the dick Norwegians, <laughs> like just typical Norwegians, um, just, you know, ripping shit into uh, Eddie and Hugh Jackman. We have a bit of a bar fight here. I do like the um, the pit in there where Hugh Jackman gets punched, although the Norwegian, what does the coach say? He's like, yeah. my jumpers do not fight, but I do. <laughs> he punches him, he wakes up. Did I win? <laughs> I love that bit. Um, did I win? <laughs> did I win? <laughs> Uh, and I love it there when they go into like the Norwegian training camp and Hugh Jackman's so mean in this scene. He's like, oh, we're going to get back at them. I'm going to draw little poos underneath their stick figures on the chalkboard. 
But uh, when he's like, is this a bit where he's like teaching him to like, what is he like? Come on, man, be the wing of a bird. Uh, he's like telling him, this is, it's like he's drunkenly giving him advice. You know, he's telling him the up, back, forward, down, kind of. It's, it's a nice little scene, and then we kind of get this badass Hugh Jackman ski jumping scene <laughs> because, like, what what sport doesn't need to turn badass with cigarettes and smoking and rock music, <laughs> ski jumping? Oh. The ladies love And no jackets. No jacket. Um, it is a kind of cool scene though. Like the special effects in this movie do look, they do look pretty good. Uh, I mean, there is a, there's that bit, just the scene I just talked about a second ago when the guy crashed. Like if you do watch it closely, it doesn't look that good. But, um, I mean, you know, what more can they do with a ski jumper crashing? But this whole scene here, I love the camera sort of angles on him, the way they kind of like, he flicks a cigarette and the way it kind of like tilts across onto him when he's flying. Ugh. Oh goodness! Through the air, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Lochte comedy makes me burp. Um, but um, it's it's a it's a cool scene. Um, I might end it here uh, when we then get Eddie landing the forty meters, uh, and then it's like, oh, okay, I think I'm ready for the seventy meters. Uh, so I'll end it just there. Uh, I've covered a lot again, but um, we also got sidetracked with Ryan Lochte. Uh, so the scene here, the uh, sauna scene, uh, maybe Jamie did notice it. Well, she's here right now. Jamie, did you notice all the shirtless men wrapped in the men, sauna Jamie. and Eddie Eagle? I, did you hear what she said? Yes, Hugh Jackman wasn't there. These are naked men, Jamie. Naked, buff, ripped men. Well, okay, here's the other thing. We just came off of the scene where he's introduced to, um, what's her name, Helga? What's her name? Oh, horny German, yep. Horny German woman, Helga, uh, and she basically sexually harasses him in that opening scene, which one of these things that plays completely differently if you sw- swap it around for being a man and a woman. Um, but then in this scene, that guy, the Norwegian guy, gets like very close, starts whispering in his ear, and he, I basically realize he's sexually harassing him too. <laughs> like this movie's just full of predators all preying on poor Eddie Edwards. <laughs> it's just kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's this very odd scene. They're all, you know, wrapped in towels, and he's getting up close to him. This is where that gymnast, very inter- that gymnast doctor, got it from. Is that too soon to say that? Or, <laughs> um, I don't think it'll ever be uh, the right time to talk about that. <laughs> in ten years' time, it's fine. Someone will find this, you know, audio, and I'll be, you know, Kevin Spacey. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing, Mrs. Helga, uh, Helga Irish Horny. barmaid, Irish, <laughs> German barmaid here. Um, this is something that's kind of crazy, because, I mean, when this scene was playing, I, I did think it, it was funny, where she's like, you know, maybe I'll come in and I'll visit you or something like that, right? And, you know, Jamie kind of made a comment, she's like, bet you you wouldn't mind if she came in and visit you. I'm like, yeah, you know, I complain, you know? <laughs> and then I look up this actress, and she was 65 years old when this movie was made. Jesus. What? Iris Bourbon, born 1950, 65 years old when this movie was made. She looks That's good. crazy. She looks great for age. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a 65-year-old if that's what they look like. <laughs> that's like my grandma's age or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, when Hugh Jackman gets introduced, I mean, this is where the movie really picks up. And I'm not saying anything against Taron Egerton or Iris Bourbon or anybody else like that, but... You kind of need a movie star in all these movies because all the ones we've covered for the most part are casting mostly unknown actors. 
you could say Margot Robbie was a big name, but I mean, at the time she signed on to do this, Suicide Squad, I don't think had even come out yet. So you look at Cool Runnings, we talked about all the unknowns, and you had to have John Candy in there. Uh, Miracle, all the unknowns, and you had to have Kurt Russell in there. I mean, Hugh Jackman is that guy, and this is where I think the movie takes the the biggest um, sideline from the real story, because from what I could tell reading up here, the real Eddie Edwards didn't train in Germany. I think he trained in Lake Placid, New York, and he had like a couple of coaches, and I don't see anything about them being alcoholic snow groomers. Um, <laughs> Maybe they don't have that on their LinkedIn. They just were, and they're not. <laughs> but this does fall into a little bit of that cool running's territory where you have to have the coach that's flawed, and with the you know, the shady past, and you uh, need to have everybody against them. Like I don't know, was the world against Eddie the Eagle in 1988? That's something I'd like to see some of the real interviews with him to find out because I feel like a lot of that stuff might be a bit of a stretch in this movie here. But at the same time, I understand why they do that, you know, uh, when he's trying to get into the Olympics and they're saying, well, you know, we don't have a team. We can't give you the funding. And even later on, we'll talk about the later on. I'm sort of behind everybody else, like throughout this entire movie, all the way up until the end, which just shows how effective the end is. I understand when everybody's saying, no, you can't do this. So when all these Norwegian guys are saying, yeah, you know, you're too old for this. And then they say, like, you start training at five or six. And I kind of always look at that like, you know. Uh, well, maybe that's just a Norwegian thing. And then when Hugh Jackman says, like, you're about 20 years too old to be doing this, you realize he really is out of his league. Um, and maybe that's where Eddie Edwards gets a lot of credit, too, just because of what he was able to accomplish in one year, or in this case, one day. And the way that he approaches those finish guys, it's one of the best scenes in the movie, the sauna scene. Uh, when he approaches them and says, you know, I, I've completed the 40 meter jump and, uh, I've made a lot of progress. And he's basically selling it like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an up and coming skier. And they're like, how long have you been doing this? And, Yesterday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's asking for advice, he goes, how do you land exactly? Yeah. And the way he had set this up was, you know, oh, I'm making a lot of progress and all that. Uh, he's just such a likable character. And I think that's the whole point of this movie is that, it, it doesn't really matter if he was, like, first place. Well, that, that is the whole point of the movie. It doesn't matter if you're first or last place here. Um, the, uh, uh, the the fight scene, as you mentioned, that's hilarious, too, even though it is a little bit, you know, Hollywood cliche uh, where <laughs> he says, uh, they don't fight, I do. And then when Hugh Jackson, <laughs> I love that part where he goes, did I win? <laughs> um, his jump is great, too. Like you said, the effects. And just this whole movie... We've talked about this with pretty much every movie outside of Mallory's opinion of I, Tanya. We've <laughs> talked about this with every movie over the last month that they take these sports and everybody's seen these sports and these sports are exciting to watch on their own. You could film the figure skating scenes in I, Tanya exactly the same as you would film regular figure skating scenes or the hockey scenes in Miracle or uh, the bobsled scenes in Cool Runnings, but they all find a unique way to film it. Sometimes it's just a point of view. In this case, there are a lot of effect shots and shots where the camera's following them directly down the slope and one's from their point of view and the ones where it's zooming around them and it just makes these ski jumping scenes all the more exciting because as exciting as ski jumping is if you were just watching ski jumping scenes for two hours in a movie it's kind of like if you watch an entire ski jumping competition by the time the competition's over you're like okay i think i'm all ski jumped out it's, <laughs> it doesn't have the same effect as if you just flip through channels or whatever but the way that they film in this movie, the way that uh, what's his name uh, is is it Fletcher Dexter or Dexter Fletcher? Uh, da, 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 Dexter Fletcher. 
kind of like Eddie Edwards or Edward Eddie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's a backwards name here. Hilding uh, Colin then, or Colin Hilding, yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Hilding was the original first name. That's where my last name came from. Also, one-eighth <laughs> Swedish, by the way. So, oh, well, probably uh, we neighbors back in, in um, that Swedish town. Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of somewhere between in Sweden. The two of us, we are, yeah, between the two of us, we are 25%. Uh, Swedish yes. show. There's a claim to fame. Yay! Um, and then uh, also just Hugh Jackman. This could very easily have been. This is where uh, I think I knew a lot about this story. Just you know, reading up on it, and also the movie. And then so many people saying, you know, it is like Cool Runnings, like you did say. So when you get the Hugh Jackman character and you expect him to be like John Candy, I like when they do things where it's not like John Candy. Like he is willing to help him from the beginning. This isn't a thing where it's like I don't want anything to do with that filthy sport. <laughs> He's He's totally behind it. Even if he's like, you know, just just one time when he's going for the jump, he goes, "Do you have any advice?" And he goes, "Yeah, don't die." You know, <laughs> that's a great line. But he's still with them throughout the entire movie, which is a little bit different than what we got with John Candy. Um, I think that's all I have up to this point here. Uh, I still want to. Rem- there was something. Oh yeah, I remember what it was. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> all over the place here. The, Dude, Ryan Lochte. So, yeah. <laughs> Ruined everything. <laughs> the um, the thing with these ski jumping scenes, this is from Jamie's perspective. Now, again, when these ski jumping scenes are happening, Casper's watching it. He's watching just regular parts of the movie. Jamie's enjoying every time Hugh Jackman's on screen. But when the ski jumping scenes come up, especially when the, the guys, that number two guy in the world wipes out, which, again, was unexpected in the movie. You hear, yeah, this is the number two guy in the world. And you're expecting you're going to see something incredible. And then... This guy is going to be like his competition who he has to beat at the end. And then this movie does something unpredictable. You're like, this is the number two guy in the world. And you realize, well, he can kill himself. What's going to happen to Eddie? But during that scene, when the guy wipes out, Jamie's just like, she can't even watch it. She's groaning. She's like, ugh, ugh. And the reason is because she had a tobogganing accident. or Two back-to-back tobogganing accidents Sorry, two years laugh. in a row. You will when you finish the story. Okay, so, so I can't <laughs> laugh. All right, that was what you meant to say. Like, yeah. it killed three of the brothers. <laughs> A toboggan killed her brothers. Well, it's Canada. It happens, I'm sure. It, I mean, yeah, it's our version of finger pulling. Yeah, it's just what you do in Canada. Toboggalakin. <laughs> disputes and it ends in stabbings. <laughs> um, we've gone tobogganing and the hill we went to, there's like a section in the woods, you know, off on a much steeper hill, which you're not supposed to go on. And we're like, well, let's go up here. And a couple of us wanted to go down and... You know, Jamie, who wasn't really wanting to toboggan at all, she's like, "Oh, I think I don't. I think I'd wipe out. I'd hurt myself." She decides to go down this unsupervised uh, slope through the woods, basically wipes out and rolls. And when I'm saying this is steep, I mean it's steep. I mean, it, it might as well just be a completely vertical wall. That's how steep it is. She wipes out, rolls like 16 times, slams her leg into a giant rock, and I come over. And she's like, oh, oh, and I'm like, you got to see this. I got it all on camera. This looks incredible. <laughs> and meanwhile, she's limping for a week after this. So she's determined she is not going to toboggan the very next year. Um, so the next year we go and I'm you know, going down with a couple of my nephews who are really small at the time. And she's saying, like, I hurt myself last year. I'm not taking this chance. And one time I'm at the bottom of the hill and I look up and I see Jamie. And this is not you – know, this is a proper hill, but uh, – I'm like, oh, Jamie decided to go down. And she's got one of my nephews or one of my nieces on her lap. I'm like, So she decided to bargain. And I'm like, why is she headed for the ramp? <laughs> so there's a ramp that's like a couple of feet off 
the ground, and she goes off this thing, flies in the air like a ski jumper, and because she was carrying a kid, decided, it's instinct, I'm going to protect the kid from the fall, lands on her tailbone and breaks her tailbone. Uh. So she spent, like, weeks not able to walk. Um, I think the first few days, it took me on one side and her brother on her other side to hold her up while she brushed her teeth. Uh, and these are like two back to back years where she wipes out. So whenever we watch stuff like this, she's always growing. Like she can't watch a person even in the water, water skiing. If they wipe out, it's just terrifying to her. Aww. But, uh, why she decided to wipe out the first year and then the second year say, let me go for that ramp so I can get a little bit of air with a child <laughs> on my lap. I don't understand. Oh, I'm just next time. She I, just screamed. I learned my lesson. Next time I see her, I'm gonna just like I don't know, make tobogganing noises and scare her or something like that. Go, whoosh, boom! Tobogganing noises. <laughs> Those famous tobogganing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it works. Whoosh, boom, boom, boom. Um, I was just randomly looking here at ski jump because I was trying to see who the number two guy in the world was in 1988, at least in the Olympics. It was uh, in the normal hill, Pavel Plok from Czechoslovakia. And, uh, Eric Johan- Johansson from Norway in the large hill. Um, and through my research here, I discovered that Britain went on to have another ski jumper in 2002, uh, Glyn Pedersen, who, uh, I think broke both of Eddie's, uh, British records in both of the hills. Um, although, I think they incre- look. They say seventy and ninety meters in this for the small and large hill. Have they not grown them? Are they not now ninety and one hundred and twenty meters? Um, they must have because I, I remember. Well, as soon as this was over, I didn't realize I had done it, but I recorded the actual ski jumping that was on CBC this afternoon, and there, this is still not even Olympic level. And they're like, "Oh, so he got one hundred and forty-three meters on that one," and I'm like. The 90 meter guys got like 114. Like this, this must have been increased. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they worked. I swear, from when I've watched the ski jumping, they always talk about now being 90 and 120 meters, as in the small and the large hills. But um, I, I'm fascinated by ski jumping. All winter was, and Australia never had an Olympic ski jumper. I could be the Eddie the Eagle in this movie, Colin. I could be, I could hold the Australian record in a sport in ski jumping. <laughs> Um, the- Sadly, you would be wandering off to Rome yeah. to compete in your first Olympics. <laughs> well, probably by the time I get there, they probably would be holding the Olympics. So, uh, you know, France finally got them again. So it's Rome's turn's next, isn't it? Uh, they're always bidding like Paris were, whatever. Um, can we just not cover those Olympics? Okay, thanks. Um- <laughs> Go back, recap the Rome Olympics? <laughs> no, 2024. There's no Olympics in 2024. It's me sp- oh. talking for two weeks about France. <laughs> The opening ceremony with the croissant. Uh, (laughs) We get it. You've got an Eiffel Tower. Move on. Uh, Anyway. So, um, Eddie wakes up Hugh Jackman. That's what Jamie wishes she was doing. Um, And (laughs) I like the fact that um, we kind of get this uh, bit where, you know, he's basically saying all he has to do is uh, land, what is it, like a 30-metre jump or something like that, because I haven't updated it in 50 years. Uh, and we kind of years, get yeah. the thumb... I love the little thumbs-up he does. And if you actually do watch some of the old footage of uh, Eddie Edwards, he does do this, like, thumbs-up thing. Yeah. Um, I love kind of Hugh Jackman. Give me my breakfast. He wants his, like, flask. Um, his jacket. <laughs> yes. Um, and so is this where he goes? Yeah, this is the first one when he goes to the 70-metre jump, isn't it? 
Uh, so Hugh Jackman obviously doesn't think he's going to do it. He's like, oh, crashes look as good from down here. Uh, but he goes all the way up there. He ends up falling down. I love it when he turns to that with a Norwegian guy. Could you give me a push, please? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then he falls down, he crashes, he ends up in hospital. Um, and this leads to Hugh Jackman, you know, saying you could have killed yourself. You're crazy. Uh, he's sitting there reading the Christopher Walken book. We finally hear Christopher Walken's voice. He was the most gifted skier ever. <laughs> um, but also the biggest... I can't do Christopher Walken. Um, <laughs> I do. very Ryan Lofty of you. <laughs> he was the biggest disappointment. <laughs> um... I love the, uh, the, the goofs, the trivia, uh, the, you know, the mistakes on IMDb for this scene. It's like, if you look in the background, you can see hand sanitizer. That wasn't invented in 1987. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess in some That's ways. The goof they picked up on? There's another huge goof here that I don't think anybody noticed. What's that one? Oh, well, the fact that when he walks in the hospital, he's got the book right next to him. I mean, I'm sure that Eddie Edwards, in his unconscious state, being carried out on a stretcher, said, no, please stop. I need my book. <laughs> Which he has been reading in this coma state he's in. Well, it's I guess hospitals in Germany back then were kind of like you know hotels with Bibles in every room. They've just got a copy of Christopher Walken's book in every room. Please leave my book <laughs> in the room. He's Nicolas Cage now. <laughs> leave my book in the room. Woo! My life is jumping. My worn sharp. <laughs> His face off. The skis. <laughs> Ski off. A, B, C, D. Right, um. <laughs> woo! Uh, <laughs> oh god, it started again. Um. So, uh, this is a bit where he, he now kind of agrees to, um, coach him, although he says, oh, I'm not your coach. You know, I'm just gonna help you land. I'm gonna teach you to land. Uh, you know, there's a seniors tournament in like a month. You land one jump, you go into the Olympics. Um, and then we kind of get this, you know, again, another training montage scene here. Um, I love to be like, who's your favorite female movie star? Uh, Bo Derrick. Um, <laughs> this is the scene I'm sure that Jamie loved, right? Like Hugh Jackman pretending to have sex. <laughs> oh, Bo, Bo, Bo Derrick! <laughs> um, we can just do one of our bad loops in that where he's like, yeah, 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 Jamie Hilding. <laughs> Can you imagine the real Bo Derek watching this film? Like, is, is Bo Derek still with us, right? Like, I'm not, like, you know, let's just... I'm assuming, I mean... Double check here. Um, <laughs> yes, no, she's she's with us, she's 61 and looking good. Um, but, like, can you imagine the real Bo Derek watching this? Like, going, Hugh Jackman loves me. <laughs> like, Bo Derek! Um, but uh, I saw Bo Derek in person once. She was at the Grand Prix one year. That, that's a true story. Um... <laughs> Thought I'd share that story. I've seen her in the flesh. Um, not naked, but anyway. Um, but what's the bit when, uh, he says something to, oh, it's the first bit where Eddie goes down the ramp and he catches him. And what does Hugh Jackman say? Like, oh, is that how you do it? Uh, you know, is that what your face looks like? Is that like, oh, in England it is or something like that? Like, <laughs> when they have sex or something like that. I just think that's funny. Um, but then the line when he goes, oh, I think a little bit of wee came out. <laughs> um, it's funny. So he's, we then cut to the seniors tournament, uh, gives his little thumbs up. He goes, Oh, Bo Derek, 
lands the jump. He goes off course a little bit, but he lands at 34 metres. He's in the Olympics, and he set a new British record. He's in the newspaper and everything. (laughs) I am so Eddie in this point, though. Like, I legitimately, if I was in, like, if I did honestly make the curling team, right, and I set some sort of Australian record in curling because it's the only record ever set, I would would wear that with a badge of honour. I'd be like, I'm an Australian record holder. Um, because mm-hmm. you technically are, like, you're not making that up. Uh, it's like when we used to say the award-winning Survivor Oz, like, we won awards in Eastern Europe yeah. on those websites. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, but, uh, he gets a letter, it's got the Olympic rings on it, he's been requested to go to the British Olympic Committee, uh, <laughs> yes, hello, come in, um, come sit down, Eddie, yes, yes, like some tin trumpets, um, <laughs> And they've become assholes. They've decided that he's not going to the Olympics. He must compete in a British-sanctioned tournament, and he's got to have a 61-meter jump. I do like the way here that, like, Eddie kind of stands up for himself a little bit here. He's like, you know, you mm-hmm. change the rules here. Like, you can't do this. So, like, good on you, Eddie. Um, but then, like, what's the bit when he says, like, oh, we will not have amateurs in... Oh, sorry, hang on, let me rephrase that. We will not have amateurs in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, isn't the Olympics about amateur athletes? Yeah, that's like his good comeback. Uh, and then it's like, I have the right to represent my country. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so then he's going to join the European circuit, uh, to try and land the 61 meters. And then we kind of have a dinner scene here. Uh, I love how his like parents don't get called when he's in the hospital in Germany or anything like that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, poor old mumsy's back home worrying about her, worried about him. But, uh, we get the, I love the scene here when they're like trying to describe the difference between the meters. So it's like, he's 30 meters. He's 61 meters. He's got like little Diana salt shaker. Um, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that's for the American audience who are going meters. What's a meter? Um, yeah, you know, exactly. to help them out. Um, but like, this way, you know, you kind of, I think, meant to not like the dad, but I still kind of like him just the way it's like, I'm not spending more money on this rubbish. You tried your best. Fair play. Now you're done. Come work with me in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so British. This kid has failed at everything for 20 years. At some point as a parent, you have to be like, you need a job. You're going to be a terrible parent if Casper wants to be like Eddie. Like, let him live his dream, Colin. Like, come on. Well, 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 after 20 years, I think the dream's over. Well, you know, look at Steve Carell. He didn't become famous till his 40s. So, like, you know, he tried, I think. I could be wrong on that, but I've heard stories about that. So leave him alone. <laughs> I've heard I've heard stories that his father didn't believe in him and had to drive a camper to his plastering job. <laughs> I like these stories that these people keep trying. It gives me hope that one day I might succeed in life. Uh, <laughs> but he, this is a bit where you said, like, okay, if this bit I can maybe understand. He steals the car and then his, yeah. his mum's just like, oh, you won't like what I've done with the savings. And he smacks his head. Like, his dad's got a concussion as well at this point. <laughs> How's he getting to plaster and do the raspberry nipples or whatever it was that he was doing? <laughs> um, I do like the bit where he's driving back to Germany and, you know, he's getting snow and what, he's like drinking his milk and then he pulls up to Hugh Jackman and he's like, oh, gotta wind up the window. I don't want to get snow on the seat. It's a bugger. Uh, <laughs> and he's like talking to Hugh Jackman about his dodgy knees. And he's like, do you think I'm mad? Yup. <laughs> the guy through the lost and found stealing a bunch of clothes. And then what does he say? Like, Oh, uh, this isn't stealing. You need them. It's like, oh, what are you doing with those? Oh, I'm just stealing these. Like, Hugh Jackman, you know, like, can we all just say this right now without sounding completely gay? But he's a good looking rooster. Like, 
you know. <laughs> ja- Jamie's on the. I mean, I'm, ob- I'm obligated to, otherwise Jamie will leave me for him. No, but like, let's be honest. Like, if you found out, if you walked, if you came home and Jamie was having sex with Hugh Jackman, you'd watch just because you're like, oh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> And you would be fine with it. I would be fine if I came home and Mallory was having sex with Hugh Jackman. I'd probably join in. Uh- <laughs> I'd just be afraid he's going to you know, grow claws out of his hands and stab me. <laughs> I'd be afraid he's going to start John's gonna finger pull it. Start singing in French. Like, isn't that what he does in Les Mis or something? <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream. Oh, no, that's not how it goes. I don't know. I don't watch that crap. Um, <laughs> welcome to Good Australia. Movie. Way better than Australia. <laughs> no! These iconic line of, welcome to Australia. We used to play that all the time on our radio show. Just a clip of Hugh Jackman going, welcome to Australia. <laughs> like, just... You made like $9 million and you're like the famous line from Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> what other... Give me another famous Hugh Jackman line. I'm Wolverine. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Does he ever utter that word? I'm Wolverine. <laughs> How about, like, look down, look down? <laughs> the name's Reen. Wolverine. Reen? <laughs> <laughs> Helsing. Van Helsing. <laughs> uh, which Kate was in that? Was that Beckinsale or Bosworth? In which one? Van, Van Helsing? Helsing? Oh, that was Beckinsale. Okay, I always get Beckinsale and Bosworth confused. Um, whatever happened to them? Are they still around? <laughs> Okay, Beckinsale still makes Underworld movies. Oh, that, those, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, Bosworth was in a movie with Kevin Spacey ten years ago, Beyond the Sea, great movie. And also in Superman Returns, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> she was Lois Lane, he was Lex Luthor, and look what's both happened to them. Sure he, was, uh, he was violating anybody in those movies, it wasn't her, so he she's safe. Violating Brandon Routh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, we all want to do. Uh <laughs> Another one Ben's going to join in on, apparently. Oh, God, this is going south, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm going south with all these men. Uh, but, so, we get another montage. Um, to what song? To, to, to the, <laughs> the breakfast cereal. <laughs> um, I like I like all, like, the European circuit stuff. Uh, I, was this a bit where... Um, he is this bit where he, he yeah he lands in uh, Austria and the Norwegian guy's like oh he's a disgrace to the sport and I love Hugh Jackman is like yeah even though you're a disgrace to the sport <laughs> like I love the way he sarcastically yells it out at him it's funny uh, the skiing on the roof of the car the one thing I don't necessarily like about this though like to me the the movie is making it out like the audience is dumb we know he's got to get sixty one meters right so then they put up on yeah. the screen forty three meters not far enough forty nine meters that, yeah. still not far enough we. Re- Remember, movie. We were, <laughs> we were just told this like two minutes ago. Um, but then it's for the Americans who are like, and that converts to how much in feet and inches? True, true. It's all those dumb. It's a Ryan Lochte. It's for Ryan Lochte. <laughs> I was watching this movie and I just didn't understand it. It's like, why would forty nine meters not be far enough? But then it said not far enough, and I was like, dude, I get it. Um, but the European circuit, it's not a very big circuit. There's only three events on it, apparently. <laughs> Austria, Switzerland, <Yeah>. and Germany. <laughs> um, so we get... Um, he lands 61 metres in his training, uh, which is great. Good for him. So uh, he's like, you know, no pressure. Do that tomorrow. You're in the Olympics. 
Uh, we kind of get a first bit here of Hugh Jackman. He's all he's getting all pumped and into it. And he doesn't even have his breakfast or his jacket. Um, I do like this. This is what you were saying before, though, about like how it kind of does something a bit unexpected because, um, like the number two dri- the number two driver, the number two uh, jumper crashes. You're not expecting this, so you're expecting him to land this jump, you know, because you know he's going to go to the Olympics, and we kind of get, um, or at least get a second chance. Yeah, well, just even the way they this is edited, like with the slow mo, the silence. You know, it's very similar to kind of how the you know the Jamaicans qualifying cool running the silence. It's just all that sort of stuff, but he crashes. Um, we get some sad music. We get the, you know, Germans, oh, everything's to the T. You must not jump again. Um, and then kind of, you know, Hugh Jackman's trying to talk him up. You know, that was best jump you've ever done. I'm really proud of you. And then, um, once again, poor old Eddie's given up once again. He's begging them for the, to do their training time and register it, but they won't say anything. So throughout the eighth time in this movie, he's giving up. He goes home. Um, and, uh, no, he hasn't gone home quite yet. Has, you know, he's about to go home. Uh, he's on the phone. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, but he gets a letter, uh, and he found out that he has qualified because they have recorded his training jump. Now, I mean, is that fair enough? Like, I mean, I know this is, again, it's a bit of a stretch. This isn't exactly how it happened in real life. Uh, you kind of mentioned before that, uh, Hugh Jackman, like, no, Hugh Jackman isn't based on anyone. It's just kind of like the John Candy character just invented for the movie. But, um, do you think they would do this in real life? Like, record your training jump? Because, I mean, in, in some aspects, I can understand it because he has proven that he can jump it, but it's, I guess, not official. Like, how do you think that would work? Well, well this is where I think you have to disconnect yourself from, you know, what the movie's trying to sell you and think, if this happened in real life, like, what would be the outrage? If you found out that there was somebody who didn't know anything about your favorite... What's your favorite sport like, Formula. if you're going to consider it a sport, I guess? like It uh, is a sport! It? Formula One! Don't get me started. Formula One? <laughs> okay, so your favorite, favorite sport, Formula One, and there's some guy who had only... A 16-year-old kid who'd only gotten his license earlier that year, and he'd never driven a car before, and he's like 10 times as slow as everybody else, but just because he really wants to compete in the Formula One 500 or whatever the <laughs> big Super Bowl is. The Formula One 500. <laughs> you know, he's given every chance in qualifying, and they even lower the bar for him, and he's well below everybody else, and he fails on every single chance, but then you hear in the news, but you know what? They decided to basically <laughs> fudge his time and let him in anyways. Are you going to be a little bit upset that there's a bit of a disservice going on to like the athletes who train so the athletes who train so hard for Formula One Five Hundred? Okay, can we just one time establish that I really do need to explain to you a lot about this sport? The fact that they are athletes and they're probably actually a lot fitter than a lot of athletes that you probably admire. Well, I'll just leave that on the record. Uh, secondly, again, you also don't know a lot about Formula One because the beauty about the sport of Formula One is is a lot of the time you actually don't need to have talent to race as long as you've got a bunch of sponsors. Clearly, um, like let's. The Canadian. Okay, fine. Let's talk about a real sport then, okay? Pick any real sport. There is a Canadian Formula One driver called Lance Stroll, right? Whose father is some billionaire in Canada. Somebody Stroll, I don't know. I don't know how many billionaires are in Canada. Um, But, like, so a lot of people said he only got into the sport because daddy was rich and could afford to, you know, buy him a seat. But he actually came out and did quite well last year, and he's about 12, and he looks like he's about 8. He's got, like, the babiest face in the world. But anyway, um, just look up the name Marcus Ericsson, and then you will realise that you don't need to have talent to drive in Formula 1. You just need to be Swedish, be good-looking, and have money. Uh, 
But I guess well, your that point. Didn't answer my question at all. So I thanks, get your Duncan. point. <laughs> Formula One was a bad example. Like I don't know. Talk about ice hockey. Like oh, they put Ben Waterworth yeah. on the Calgary Flames just because they thought he deserved it. And it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to let him compete in these uh, European class events or whatever. But imagine if they were forming. Let's say they still did NHL players. They're forming the you know Canadian national team for the Olympics. And they bump somebody who is fully qualified. Uh, and let's say they don't even bump somebody. Let's say they just allow this guy to compete on his own or allow a country to compete like, uh, what was it, Ooh, Cambodia again? <laughs> who I want to take you. The country <laughs> of who I want to take you. Who has never won a game. None of them can skate. And if if they can shoot a puck, I mean, it is like, like watching a five-year-old, which is basically where Eddie Edwards is here because five-year-olds are what start in the sport. <laughs> And then they allow him in. I mean, that's going to upset a lot of people. So I think more so than cool runnings, I can kind of understand why they would even have these rules and say, no, we shouldn't let him in. You know, we should, we should change this because it's for the better of the sport. If they say anybody can jump and if they set the British record at still an embarrassing distance, we'll let you go to the Olympics. I mean, that doesn't say much for the Olympics themselves. It doesn't say much for the sport. It doesn't say much for the nation of Great Britain. I'm honestly thinking that you just have no dreams, Colin Hilding. Like, you, you disappoint me. <laughs> like, you're just, you're talking down these athletes. I have dreams, Colin. This is the Olympics. What dreams are about. All right. Young athletes. Well, he's not really that young, but athletes can have a dream and want to go to the Olympics and they get lucky and they try their best and they work their butts off and they go to the Olympics. You're like, I don't want to ever watch the Olympics with you because you'll be like watching the Nigerian <laughs> bobsled team going, boo, you suck. You're not competitive. Get off the, get off the circuit. Boo. No, but at least now they've changed the rules, so you have to qualify. You know, you have to have. If if plain and simple, if it's the Olympics, I agree with the Eddie the Eagle rule because if you're not among the top percentage in the world, it shouldn't matter if you're the only one in your country. You shouldn't qualify. Colin's bitter because he's never been an Olympian. It's that simple. It's like <laughs> they brought this rule in when I was about to make the Olympic team. So screw it. Everyone should be There's professional. There's still a hope. There's still a hope that you can make the Olympics because there are thousands of sports that Australians are terrible at. Yes. We Canadians aren't bad at sports. No, so that's not true. Some <laughs> summer Olympics, like you could make the summer Olympics, like you could try out for the dressage oh, team. Yeah. You just have to ride a horse you know, and make it lift its leg we, up. We thought that when we heard trampoline was an event. And then guess what? We won back-to-back goals to trampoline. Well, what's that dumb? Dream is done. What's the dumb sport in Tokyo? The rock climbing one or whatever? Just go start climbing cliffs. <laughs> you can make it. <laughs> It's still time. Your dream can come true, Colin. Exactly. Just climb walls and shit. You're done. All right. I'm making the I'm making the curling team. Uh, <laughs> you know. Actually, I seriously like. Let's pursue ski jumping again. Like, you know, what I have to do. He's like, I'm Australian and a ski jumper. Off you go. I don't think I look good in the lycra, but I mean, you know, like, I can lose weight in a few years. I've been saying that since I was about 15. So you know, it can happen one day. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, where are we even up to? Is it the Olympics yet? Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't we just cap it there when he, uh, um, before he goes to the Olympics? Oh, okay. So hang on. I think that's basically where well, we're at. Let we me, just got to yeah, you're where right. he you're, qualified in Dusseldorf. So what I'll, what I'll quickly do here. Yeah, you're right. So like, um, he finds out Hugh Jackman wants to, wants him to wait, you know, for, wait four years. You know, you can become better. Um, and it's like, you know, no, this is my dream. And like, I'm, I'm so team Eddie here. Like, I get you, Jackman, but at the same point, I'm, I'm the Darice. I'm the Eddie. I just want to compete in the Olympics. I don't care yeah. if I get last. 
I just want to, you know, be an Olympian. Um, but then he comes back to, oh, oh the, we get the strong line though. I'd rather be a sober fool than a drunken coward. Ooh, drop mic. Um, <laughs> but then I do, I do like the scene when he's back in Britain, he's getting on the bus and, you know, we kind of get the snooty British guy should have gone for 71 meters. Shut up. I don't like him. Um, but I just, the scenes with his mum, like, and where do you think you're going, young man? Oh, the Olympics. It's like, oh, sweet. I don't know about you, but I like that little bit. Um, and yeah, <laughs> the snooty head guy when he's like, excuse in the back, Edwards. And then his mum's like, he seems nice. <laughs> I think his mum's a bit dumb, but like, I still love her. She's amazing. Uh, and then yes, he's off to the 1988 Olympics. So I will cap it there. Um, I mean, I, I said my piece on whether they should change rules, but just along with the whole 71 thing, uh, yeah, they probably should have done that because you're supposed to be sending the best athletes. But at the same time, I do get why something like this is an inspiring story. But the problem is that when you had two instances in this, this should be a companion movie to Cool Runnings because two times this happened in the same Olympics. So I can understand why they got strict after this. But at the same time, you do have to wonder, you know, most people will go back to the Calgary Olympics when we talked about, you know, which Olympics really stood out for people. I mean, people are, for the most part, outside of like the Miracle on Ice, nobody really talks about anything, you know, prior to 1988. And 1988 is the coming out for the Winter Olympics, you know, the same way that like Summer Olympics was, I don't know, like um, Munich, maybe like at least for this. Melbourne. Not this on. generation. <laughs> Yeah, the, the famous uh, dressage team from Melbourne. No, the, the Colin, Colin, everyone knows it's Antwerp, those great games in Antwerp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it does make sense that, you know, it inspires a lot of people to become athletes. You know, you can reach the Olympics. But when you really sit down, this movie finishes, it's, it's a nice inspiring story. But then you really do have to ask yourself, like, he didn't really care. I mean, yes, he said in the movie, I love ski jumping. And it's nice that he made the Olympics, but you also have to question how many great people miss the Olympics. Like we, Me. if you want to listen to it, hear more. Like Ben, yeah, <laughs> he's never making even for Australia, he's not making curling. Like how sad is that? Exactly. But you can listen to our uh, off the podium uh, preview episode we just did on the Olympics, or an interview I did with the Canadian mogul skier Andy Naughty about a year ago, who's about to go to her first Olympics, and yet she talks about uh, in the interview that. Um, in Sochi, she was ranked ninth in the world, but couldn't make the Olympics simply because she wasn't in the top five in Canada. And sometimes you have to look at rules even like that. Like, you know, it's hit and miss. You only have so many that can qualify for certain countries. You're only looking at the top percentage in the world. I mean, it's, it's all really, it's very much a gray area even now. Mm. But can you imagine if just any country could send whoever they wanted? Would there be competition? I think we got lucky that with the bobsled and the ski jumping, there was only one person. Those are great, inspiring stories. But what if we now reached, and you know this would have happened, if we reached Pyeongchang uh, 30 years later and everybody were still following this rule, I just won my Olympic dream. We're going to have like three really qualified people and they win all the medals and everybody else is a joke. I, I get it. Like, I, I believe me, I completely get it. We want to watch the Olympics and see the best athletes in the world. It's a pinnacle of sport. You know, it shouldn't be just, you know, Colin and Ben rocking up to, you know, <laughs> do the bobs. Oh, that'd be a fun time. But, um, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, like, you know, just inspiring stories. Like, this to me, like, I think you kind of, you know, when you thought about the training that, I mean, 
I saw an interview with him where he, Eddie, and he said, like, you know, like, yeah, okay, I wasn't the best in the world, but I mean, he's like, I still did qualify, I still made it, I still got there. Yeah. You know, so like, he still at least got that minimum requirement. And to me, that's what I would be. I would legitimately know that I have no athletic skill in my life. If I found a way to make an Olympic team, no matter what sport it was, I would be so happy. Like, I would be the most happiest in my life. Um, and that's why, like, I then also appreciate these athletes. Like, we talked about on that episode, um, about our Australian aerial skier, David Morris, that he was just so happy winning a silver medal. Um, and just like, I've seen competitors who, you know, from Australia and Winter Games, they'll finish like seventh and they're acting like they've won a gold. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I love seeing yeah. athletes who, who do that. Um, who are just so happy that they are just there. So, um, I get what you're saying though. I, I completely do though. Like, again, at the same time, but- we want to see, you know, the best in the world and the highest mm-hmm. stage in the world. But, I mean, it's also a little bit weird that in the... And I don't know if this was just a fictionalized thing for the movie, but they have, a, like, the British Ski Jumping Commission or whatever they are in this, that they just decide, oh, we have this outdated rule. We really need to update this 50 years later. <laughs> and they say, well, you have to make this uh, for the British team, but why isn't there an international qualification for something like that so, or, or did they simply say we're going to bring it up to 61 because then they say well, we should have made it 71 it doesn't really make sense because there should be qualification even in cool runnings which is heavily dramatized as well they say well this is the olympic qualification you know this is what you have to reach to make the olympics regardless of which country you're from and he's yeah. just trying to get to the point where they'll allow him to go but even then it doesn't really make sense that he because you can go to the olympics and not qualify for an event and he just sort of shows up in the event in the end, which I don't know how much of that was true. But I do like that in this movie, as opposed to Cool Runnings, he works at it. And we spend, you know, a good chunk of this movie here with a year of his life really building. And he's always on the bottom, but he's just slowly improving. And it's just trying to get to that. And that whole montage is, is, is great, too, because, you know, he's slowly making progress. And then the whole not there yet, yet we can kind of make jokes about that. But it is kind of funny that he's he's chasing the bare minimum, <laughs> which is story of my life. Like, <laughs> chasing the bare minimum, the Ben Waterworth story. That, that, that's legitimately how I treated university. I'm like, every, like all my friends, are like, oh, I'm going to study so hard. I'm going to like get a distinction, a high distinction. I'm like, dude, I just want to pass. Like, I don't care. I just want a degree. <laughs> That is, I'm not even joking. That is how I, I think I got one distinction out of all my classes. The rest were passes and credits. That's all I got. I didn't care. Care if any, and you you did say this when we launched the Oz Network. You're like, I don't care if anybody else wants to talk about uh, Third Watch yes. or if anybody listens to Third Watch. I'm covering every episode of Third Watch. This is the thing. This is like legitimately. We have discovered though in covering Third Watch that we have got a lot of people out of the woodwork, and a lot of the actors and people who are coming on the show were like, "Wow, this is like great. We should talk about this more often." But like, it's it is kind of you know strange. But um, I mean, I'm looking at there was 19 countries uh competed in ski jumping in 1988, and like. You also got to realize that uh, Winter Olympics have what about a third of the nations that will be in the Summer Olympics. Um, so you know that's still a good you know quarter of the nations that would have competed in Calgary. But I think kind of um, it also depends on the sport when it comes to this thing because there was a very famous uh, thing in Sydney where um, there was Eric Musambani. He was an Equatorial Guinea, Guinea swimmer. 
Um, and I think it's, you know, when it comes to things like 100 metres swimming, 100 metres sprinting, when it's, you know, an easily accessible sport, anyone can run 100 metres. Most people can swim 100 metres. So, like, you're going to have, you know, a lot more competitors from a lot of different countries. I would probably say the 100 metres sprint has the most different countries in it out of all the sports in the Olympics. But what we got really famous about uh, Eric Musambani was that he was in a heat. There was only three swimmers in this heat. Uh, I think there was, like, somebody from... I don't know, Nigeria and, like, Singapore, both of them false started. So, therefore, Eric Musambini was the only swimmer left in this 100-metre, th- uh, the the heat. He basically had never swum in an Olympic-sized pool before. He scraped in because, you know, Equatorial Guinea were given, like, one athlete. They were allowed a quota of one athlete. And he basically swam this heat time, like, a minute, 10 seconds slower than... I don't know, Peter Van and Hoogerman or Ian Thorpe, whoever it was in 100, in, uh, Michael Klim back in Sydney. And, but he just, they called him Eric the Eel. He basically became the Eddie the Eagle of the Sydney Olympics. He got so famous here in Australia because of this. Uh, look it up. Like he, you know, legitimately, um, you know, became a, a icon here. Um, and then he went back to Equatorial Guinea, a country that didn't even have an Olympic sized swimming pool, started a program and now is the coach of the Equatorial Guinea swim team. Um, but it was just, it was just an amazing story. I remember that all when I was like in Sydney. So you still kind of can have these sort of things happen. And I think like the Winter Olympics will still have that like in the downhill. Like you'll have, you know, I wasn't there like a, um, oh, like a skier from Kenya or something four years ago that got really big because it was like, Hey, there's a well, Tonga's going to compete again. Well, as we <laughs> found out last night. The oiled up greased guy is back. <laughs> um, and there's a Nigerian bobsled team about to be in Pyeongchang. So. Uh, and the the great Malaysian whatever sport they were in, <laughs> so it still happens. But it's a yeah, you're right. Like and it's more about they're actually there on merit because they're qualifying to standard. Yeah, and I mean if you look at so many of these countries, like there are a lot of other people could have done this. He found a loophole. He took advantage of it, and it's great because when you really see the real guy, you don't fault him for it because you realize he was doing it for his dream. It wasn't for fame or glory or anything else like that. Yeah. He just wanted to get to the Olympics, and there's some people who are like, hey, that probably made his life, and that's great that he was able to do that. But when you look at the results, which I'm sure you know, you'll know, you go over the, the final results as the movie kind of changes a lot of it and cuts a lot out, but his greatest distance was less than half <laughs> of the second last place. With 58 skiers, mm. the 57th place had more than double his distance. Yeah. So I can, again, understand why some people would be a little bit upset about this. But along those lines with cool runnings, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that especially on this uh, you know, European uh, World Cup he's on or whatever, nobody's going to care because every person's like, oh, I'm, I know I'm not last place. This is great, you know? And also the thing – the... oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the scene, scene with um, the two scenes, you know, because, again, I'm, I'm spending this section of the movie mostly saying, yeah, I really don't really see it from his point of view. I, I do get behind him as a character, but – I feel like everybody else has a solid point. Like his dad has a solid point when he steals his only <laughs> means of transportation and he's supporting, you know, his whole family. Um, but the, the, the scene with the, um, the, the commission or the board or whatever they are, uh, where, you know, they're, they're changing the rules for him. I do like, like you said, the way that he kind of stands up to them and says, as the, uh, reigning record holder yeah. in British ski jumping, don't I deserve the right? And that one point, I mean, even though it is an embarrassing record, you can at least say, hey, he is the greatest we have ever had, even though he's only been training for a year. 
and maybe his goal should be, even if it's not Eddie's goal, maybe it should be, we can make progress here. And they don't want bad publicity or whatever, so I kind of understand that. Uh, I did kind of want the line in there where he would say something like, oh, I didn't realize you know, a, a pale white boy on skis could make you blush. So we could have completely connected it to Cool Runnings. Uh, but the main one that I am 100 and this is I think we will disagree a bit. The main one I'm 100% behind the other person the argument is the Hugh Jackman argument. Because with everybody else you can get, well, they – they have their own motives. The, the the Olympic Council doesn't want to be embarrassed. His dad thinks that he's wasting his time because he believes that he should just be a regular person. Hugh Jackman is genuinely looking out for him. And he's he believes in him more than anything else. In him discouraging him from going to the Olympics here in that scene, he's actually saying more encouraging things than anybody else has in this movie. He said, if you wait four years, we can actually have a shot at really being a contender. He says, if you go now... They will stop you from ever going again. And that is what happened. Mm. So maybe if I hadn't known the real story and known that he, he never would have made it back there, or he didn't because they were going to change these rules. You know, if he had taken his time, would he have eventually gotten there? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he just didn't have the drive to do that. And this probably isn't a real scene anyways. But I really see it from Hugh Jackman's character's point of view here. Where he's like, are you chasing the dream of being a great athlete? Or are you chasing the dream of showing up and coming in dead last, and that's the best you can ever do. I, and yeah. he has a line. He's like, all you're going to do is prove that you don't mind coming in last. And he goes, I don't mind coming in last. But, I mean, I, I absolutely understand and agree with everything you're saying. But at the same time, I think this whole story is about him just being an Olympian. It's never when he's younger. Not once is it shown, I'm going to be an Olympic champion. He's just like, I'm going to be an Olympian. Uh, and yeah. I, that's to me what this is about. And that's why, you know, like, yeah, like that's why he could wait four years and go off and try and be the best it can be. Um, and I get that. Uh, it's tempting, but at the same time, he's, he's qualified. He's there. Like at this point, he is a hundred percent there. And I, for one, for myself, I would never forgive myself if I was like, okay, I'll listen to you, Hugh Jackman. I'm going to train. And then what happens in four yeah. years time if I have broken my leg and I, I've, I've not made the team, you know, cause it's also a dangerous sport. You crash a lot. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm so with Eddie here. Like, yeah, okay, I get it, but I'm going to be an Olympian right now. So you can't take that away from me. I'm with both of them. Okay. <laughs> it's a 50-50 spread here. Um, <laughs> in other words, I have no opinion whatsoever. The, the thing too, like we talked a little bit about this in the Cool Runnings one, you know, the creative licensing, they do a little bit like the bobsled, you know, how we explained it's not really three runs, it's not over this. S- similar with ski jumping, like it's only implied in this that you only do one jump. Um, and it's also only ever implied that you only, it's only distance that matters. Um, which, I mean, look, this might have been the case, I guess, in 1988, but I know now it's also judged on technique, isn't it? Like, you, you get a score. It's only, uh, the, the, the distance is only an element of your overall finishing position, if that makes sense. Um, whereas in the movie, obviously, we only see him do one jump each. Um, like, I mean, for example, here, looking at the lard, uh, the normal hill, um, you know, he did two jumps, which totaled 69.2 meters whereas you know uh it's implied that he does that in one jump isn't it so uh there's a few little creative licenses there but again you got to do it it's a movie you got to shorten it it's not like i mean miracle is different because that was more sort of realistic whereas this is obviously a little bit more for entertainment value um but we're at the olympics hooray here we are um we meet this skier guy zach who kind of comes out of nowhere and then disappears like this is bit random. He's kind of like the horny German woman. It's like they, they introduce lots of characters yeah. <laughs> in this movie of just like for five minute sakes and then they just go away. 
But, I mean, one thing that I think they kind of do shove down your throat a little bit is, you know, the, the constant, oh, I don't drink, it doesn't agree with me. Oh, I don't drink, it doesn't agree with me. So I drink milk. So you always know in something like that that something's going to happen with that later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it happens. I do like the look of those, like, five shots in the, the Olympic colour, the rings of the, the colours of the rings. Um, basically, he gets him trashed, so he passes out in the laundry room and misses the opening ceremony. Um, and I love the bit when he, like, wakes up and he's like, oh, I think I'm about to be in my first fight. Um, but, like, I would be, I would be pissed, because that's, to me, half the thing of going to the Olympics would be walking in the uh... opening ceremony. Like, that's, you don't agree, or... Oh, no, this is just another scene where I see it from... I don't really see it from Eddie's point of view. Oh, God, you have no heart. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you never made the Olympics. He just called out his coach for being a drunken failure, and he says, at least I'm not you. So he shows up at the Olympics, he accomplishes his dream, he gets plastered, and not like his dad's getting plastered, he gets plastered, he misses the open ceremonies because he made a mistake... And then all of a sudden, it's these guys' fault. But isn't that the irony of this scene? <laughs> like, he's missing it because he's doing... Anyway, uh, I don't like this. Because it's his fault. Zach, he's a douche. Um, every... Okay, let's just say this right now. Every single person of the British Olympic Committee is a douche. There is not one redeeming yes. British Olympian in this movie, except for Eddie Edwards. <laughs> Only one redeeming British commentator. Yes, and we're about to get to him. Um, so... We get here to our first jump, and there he is, Jim Broadbent, the esteemed Jim Broadbent. <laughs> We've all watched this movie just what for him. What is Jim Broadbent doing in this movie as a commentator? Why? Okay, my biggest question here is, not just why is Jim Broadbent, why the hell does Britain send British commentators to commentate ski jumping <laughs> when they've, like, not competed in it in 60 years? That's like me watching Pyeongchang in a couple of days, and here's an Australian going, G'day, guys, welcome to the large hill of the ski jumping. Let's get to it. Like, this is... Yeah, like, we didn't see the Jamaican commentator who just happened to be there in Calgary for the bobsled. Hey, man, welcome to the bobsled. (laughs) We're just crossing live now from the downhill. Um, Like, like, we watched the Olympics. Like, remember in Rio when we're talking about how we're looking through those multi-channels and I flick over to the archery and I've got New Zealand commentators. Yes, that's a socks. (laughs) He's got a socks there. That's a great shot there by the, the French archer. Like, it's just, they just will use random feeds because, you know, we can't send a commentator to every sport. And generally, you only send your commentators to the sports you're going to win medals. Um, so it's, it is weird. But at the end of the day, do we really care? Jim Broadbent in this movie. It's Jim Broadbent. <laughs> What's your favorite Jim Broadbent movie? Oh, um, I mean, here's, here's one that most people forget he was in, but Gangs of New York. Like, he steals the entire movie of Gangs of New York, in my opinion. Look, I'm a big defender of Cloud Atlas. I think you said you haven't seen it. But what? You have seen it? No, I haven't, but I think you're the only person who's ever said I'm a defender of Cloud Atlas. It's a great, it's underrated. It's, it's a good movie. Um, but I also like, look, I'm a, I'm a Bridget Jones diary fan. Come on. Good movies. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first one, yeah. Oh, the second one was... I haven't seen the third one, but, um... Yeah, I mean, he's Bridget Jones' dad. She, he's Bridget Jones' dad, so... Wasn't he in, like... Okay, of course he's going to be in one of the Harry Potters. Every British actor alive was in at least one of the Harry Potters, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, he was... Uh, he, ever, he was Dennis Thatcher in The Iron Lady. Of course he was. Right. 
Did you ever see Hot Fuzz though with Simon Pegg and Nick no, Frost? No, I actually never have. Oh, so good. Probably probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And Jim Broadbent, a small role, but hilarious in it. Goes to show how much attention I remember of um, the fourth Indiana Jones movie to realize that he was in that. Um, yeah, he was the guy who replaced Sean Connery. Uh, well, he didn't replace... Yeah. They, they basically changed Sean Connery's character to be a different guy because Connery didn't want to do it. I, um, I've only ever seen that once, and that was in the movies, and I haven't watched it since. <laughs> didn't he win it? He did win an Oscar. Never mind, I just answered my own question. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Jim Broadbent's an esteemed British ski-jumping commentator. Um, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, as BBC commentator. <laughs> It's not a. It's the funny thing. Usually, something like that would be a cameo. This isn't a cameo. He has a role in this movie, but no name, and he's just a commentator. And, it's Jim Broadbent. And the thing is, right? It's pretty much established that this guy obviously has been to previous Olympics doing this because he actually <laughs> says, "Never in my life did I ever think I would say these words." But as a British <laughs> ski jumper, <laughs> this is the guy. With the previous British world record of twenty-two meters yes. from nineteen twenty-eight. Horace, whatever his name is. <laughs> Well, it's been a while since I ski jumped 60 years ago. <laughs> all the networks troll, like, through all the, the, you know, the books of records. Oh, who can we get in as an expert to, like, commentate on these games? Um, oh, it's funny. But, um, oh, who is this random? Is he an American guy? This douche American commentator who's just a dick? Oh, and here's Eddie. Um, that's a British accent. Here's Eddie Edwards. <laughs> Who's this guy? People don't like him. Um, and speaking of American Apparently accents, in Calgary, like, like everything was just pairing up. Let's get our Botswana commentator with the Australian. <laughs> Let's put our Canadians with somebody from Guam. G'day, mate. Welcome to Ski Jumping. Here's me, Botswana. Mate, how you going, fella? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm going very good. Welcome to the Ski Jumping. Uh- <laughs> So excited to be here. It's Botswana. Yes. Ah. <laughs> um, speaking of accents, uh, are you like when you first hear Hugh Jackman, this is kind of a strange American accent. I kind of mentioned this, I think, in one of our other episodes. But to me, like, I know Hugh Jackman is not the first time he's done American accents. Like, you know, Wolverine's American. Everything is American generally. What, always... what did you just say? Canadian, Canadian. He's Canadian. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But like they, and here's the thing. The, the, uh, uh, here's the thing. He doesn't do what Americans' stereotype of a Canadian accent is, but there are little things Hugh Jackman does as Wolverine that only Canadians pick up on. Where it's like that's so authentically Canadian, like A's and a boots and Gretzky and shit. <laughs> See, um, there's the stereotype. <laughs> he didn't play up. I I'm involved with the Canadian now. I'm trying to distill these stereotypes. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Do you notice he's, cause I feel like he's natural in most of his movies with his American slash Canadian accent. But to me, there's parts in this where he just doesn't sound natural doing this accent. Um, there was something weird about it, but to me, I almost thought it sounded too plain. Like Hugh Jackman has a very distinctive voice too, regardless of what he's doing. And it, I don't know. I, I couldn't pick my finger on it, but I will agree with you. It, it, I wouldn't say that it didn't sound American enough. In a way, it almost sounded like, too ordinary American. There wasn't. It, it, it didn't sound like special, you know. Special I, I wanted American. a special accent. <laughs> What's a special American accent? I don't know. Something that doesn't sound like he's from Iowa. <laughs> Howdy, y'all! I'm American. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so uh, Eddie jumps. He lands. Um, everyone's happy. 
He starts whapping his, whapping his arms, flapping his arms. <laughs> um, his mum's watching, clapping. It's a British record. Jim Broadbent, oh, and look at him. Oh, Eddie the Eagle. Yes, the crowd loves this. Um, when he starts doing the, uh, the Mexican wave, everybody loves him. Um, but this is when the American douche commentator, some are calling him Eddie the Eagle. I'm more liking him to Eddie the Penguin. <laughs> like, what a dick! Because then he's like, one man who won't be on the large hill, Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> now that's the accent Hugh Jackman needed. Yes, yeah, there you go. But I, I do like the little subtle moment there where it's like, and now we're going to cross to the bobsled to see the Jamaican, and they kind of like cut it off quickly. <laughs> like, I think that's a nice little clever little thing that they he do. He opens up his jacket and he's got the Jamaican t-shirt <laughs> underneath like everybody else in Calgary. Did you notice that, like, here's the connection between uh, Cool Runnings and Eddie the Eagle, the opening of the jacket section of the dads. So we have that in Cool oh, Runnings. Yeah. And then at the fun. end, I'm Eddie's dad. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so anyway, we, we come back to the, the village and for some reason Eddie's not invited to the British lunch. No, you may be on the team, but you're not on the list. <laughs> um, but he's, he's get a huge press conference instead. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, I love the little bit where he's like just sitting in the, the restaurant and that, um, you know, guy comes up to him, hello, Trevor British, I'm from the sun. Trevor British. <laughs> There's a woman, a hairdresser back in Bristol, who says she's been your lover for the last two years. Any comment? <laughs> <laughs> Again, journalists are always assholes. we're just always shoving our microphones in people's faces. Uh, hashtag me too. Um, but... <laughs> Um, but I, I like the bit where he rings up Hugh Jackman and, you know, poor old Hugh Jackman doesn't hold back and, you know, enjoy your 15 minutes. Uh, then Eddie decides to hold a press conference. I'm doing the large hill because he's snooty British. Um, <laughs> Hugh Jackman basically spits out his beer. He's watching it because apparently, you know, ski jumping press conferences are so big in Germany that they have them <laughs> live. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we now cross back watch... to the press conference of the ski jumping. They watch the American-British coverage of it, too, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Who cares about the Dusseldorf coverage? The BBC! <laughs> um, one thing, I, I comment on this in I, Tonya. Uh, it's a little bit in Cool Runnings. I said about it. I said in all the films we've done. I, I do like it when they kind of go out of their way to make it look like, you know, the Olympics. So like all the Calgary 88 signs and the banners and stuff like that, you know. Just, I like it oh, that they make the it look. The yeah. cowboy hats. Yes. Oh, what was the, 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 uh, volunteers? Uh, yeah, I liked, I liked even the bit, just backtracking when they're talking about the opening ceremony. When, um, the dad's watching the opening ceremony. What the bloody hell do they have cowboy horses <laughs> doing for? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just like the authentic, like, I like the, the Calgary 88 logo was clever, the way they have the 88 with, like, the Olympic mm. rings. Like, I, I like that. Um, so, anyway, Hugh Jackman's flown all the way to Calgary. Um, I mean, how many days are in between these? He's gotten a flight pretty quickly from Germany off to Canada. Yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 1988 when flights were that common and cheap. <laughs> Meanwhile, Junior's dad takes six weeks to get to Calgary from Jamaica. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, they probably were on the same flight. They're sitting next to each other. Oh, hello, sir. What are you doing? Just off to stop my son from competing in the Olympics. What about you? <laughs> oh, I've just got, you know, a guy I met in Germany. He's, you know, you've heard of Eddie. 
<laughs> there's this, there's the like the it's the cool running slash Eddie the Eagle cinematic universe. Uh, <laughs> The expanded universe of Eddie the Eagle and Cool Running. Hugh Jackman and Cal- Jimmy Bevel's the dad. The Calgary 88 Olympics expanded universe. <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene, like, in the bathroom of, like, you know, I see pride. I see power. <laughs> like, as they leave that room, Eddie, the, Eddie Edwards walks in and bumps into Junior. But he was the guy who Junior Bevel pushes out of the way in that bar. <laughs> I see pride. I see power. Push, get out of the way. He can't see the other angle of Teddy. Oh, that mean guy pushed me out of the way. <laughs> He's line dancing next to Sanka, like in the line behind Dougie Doug. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so what are we up to now? Uh, he's about to do the 90 meter one. Oh, we're in the change room. Here we go. Christopher Walken for the first time on TV. And all the, the conversation is only around Hugh Jackman. Uh, he's just, he's plugging his book that's been out for about 10 years. My life in ski jumping. Um, and, um, everyone's sort of, you know, cheering for Eddie as he goes up in the elevator. I do like, um, the scene here that he has with our favorite finger puller. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love this guy. He's like my new favorite person on the planet. Uh, but it's a nice little scene, like, of them in the elevator, and he's just, you know, like, we are very similar, like, we do this for the love of it. And, like, that line when he's like, I win the gold the other day, but I'm not happy because I didn't do my best. Um, and, mm. the, and the way, because I, I like the way, I don't know if they do it deliberately, because, like, legitimately, it is a finished thing. I'm not trying to be mean to finish people, but, like, I think that's what they're known for, this kind of just sour monotone, the way they speak. And this is where, like, when he says, like, oh, you'll think I'm being patronizing, like, he's being you know, legitimate. It's just how Finnish people are. Um, and the lineman is like, what does he say? Like, men like us jump because it frees our souls. Um, mm-hmm. Just a great little scene here between these two. Um, so, anyway, we have uh, the big jump. This is the big climax of the movie. Uh, he's now got Eagle on his helmet. I like that kind of line. Everyone's cheering for him in the crowd. And this is, you know, the bit where he's hearing sort of passing. It's very cliche, I guess, in this moment when he's hearing all the things that people have said to him. Like, you are not an athlete, you know. You tried your best and he jumps. Um, it's a great scene, like, just the slow-mo. The, the, I love that camera shot underneath him, like, as he's going down the ramp. That looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just this scene of everybody, like, going, ah, like, slow motion, mouth open. Um, even the Norwegians are getting into it now. Uh, he slightly loses it, lands, uh, falls on his back, but manages to stand up, and everybody cheers. He's done it. We hear jump from Van. Just great song. You gotta love that. Better than Hall and Oates. Come on. Um, <laughs> no, nothing's better than Hall and Oates. I, that's true. But then I love Jim Broadbent. Maybe special K, <laughs> but certainly not this song. I, I, I like Wee Picks. Look them up. Um, <laughs> but I do like. Uh, you know, Jim Broadbent here. I've been waiting to say this, but the eagle has landed! Like, clever. Um, <laughs> for some reason, in the Calgary screen, it comes up with PB and GBR record. Um, but, uh, I do like the bit where he's like, you know, Hugh Jackman jumps over the fence and they both do that flapping arm thing. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I love that in the background, when you see Hugh Jackman jump over the fence, you've got, like, a volunteer who's like, what? What's he doing? And then another guy, like, taps him on the shoulder, like, oh, no, that's Hugh Jackman. Um, like, <laughs> he's allowed to. It's okay. He's American. He's Wolverine. <laughs> there was actually, just going randomly off topic here, for you talk about Formula One stuff, like, 
there was, um, oh, I think it was 2002 years ago, like mo- the Monaco Grand Prix is like the most prestigious race. Like, you know, it's the one everyone wants to win. So Ironman 2, when they've got the Grand Prix legends around Monaco, that's like a... Oh, the one in Indianapolis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The 500, the Monaco 500. <laughs> um, so the Formula 1 driver, Lewis Hamilton, he won the race. And as he got out of the car, like, you know, they celebrate and they're usually hugging their mechanics and everything. But Justin Bieber was at this race and they let Justin Bieber stand at his car. So when Lewis Hamilton got out, he's like, oh, it's Justin Bieber. And he's like, hugging Justin Bieber. It's like, holy crap, that's so cheesy. But like, okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever. So that, that, again, that was just Hugh Jackman. It wasn't actually, you know, what's his name? Boris or Bronson. Um, but then we. <laughs> We, I, I may as well just go to the end here. I mean, we're basically at the end. Uh, we get the scene in the, uh, the, the change room with Christopher Walken. Um, and I'm trying to find the, the bit here, which I read, uh, Hugh Jackman said in an interview about this scene. That pretty much this was all like, the reactions were all so real. Uh, here it is here. Uh, Hugh Jackman loved working with screen legend Crystal Walken. Honestly, no acting required. For the one scene, the godfather of the sport walks into the room and everyone goes still. That's pretty much what's happened. It's Christopher Walken. Uh, so basically, it was done in one shoot, uh, one shot. Uh, and just that was all like just Christopher Walken walking into a room. Everyone was like, holy crap, it's Max Soren. Um, and you know, surprisingly enough, that's exactly the way the American commentator described Jim Broadbent walking yeah. in the room as BBC commentator. <laughs> but it's a nice little scene here with like Hugh Jackman and you know, f- you know, basically getting apologised to by Christopher Walken. So Max Zorin's apologising to Wolverine. Um, I'll, I'll get your opinion in a minute of just Christopher Walken randomly being in this movie. But I mean, it's just it's legitimately for five seconds, pretty much. But I, I don't know. I kind of like it. I like the fact that the coach has a coach. And it's kind of like you had that in Cool Runnings, but there's not a lot of resolution. Like, yeah, we kind of get What's-His-Face clapping at the end. Like, so I guess there's semi-resolution, but you never get a scene. There might have been a deleted scene, but you never kind of get a scene between the two. Like, I'm sorry, Irv. Uh, whereas we kind of get it here. But I don't know. I, I just like the fact it's Christopher fucking Walken. He's literally... How do they get him in this movie? Like, Christopher, do you just want to be a random bit part in five minutes? You're a ski jumping coach. All right, but I have to have a book that says my life in ski jumping. I want that as a souvenir. I must have a book. (laughs) Because I must. Because I must. (laughs) But, Dad, why must I hit it? Because he must, (laughs) Russ. It's not the third Christopher Walken movie we have done. Um, (laughs) But I I love it when he says to him, is that a good book? (laughs) Um... But then uh, we we get the, the real footage of the closing ceremony when the then... I, was it the uh, ISE president or was it like the head of the Calgary Olympic Committee? Somebody famously said at the uh, end, like, some of you flew like eagles, um, which was mm. kind of a nice touch. Then we obviously get them on the plane. I never expected that. Uh, and then they land, uh, the big reception at the uh, the airport. I, I just love the scene with his mum again. And where do you think you've been, son? Oh, just competing at the Olympics, mum. Like, it's so cute. And then Eddie's dad. I'm Eddie's dad. I'm so proud of you. Um, and that's it. We get some actual real life footage of them in the, uh, of Eddie in the end, which all of these movies contain real footage and sort of like real, um, you know, things on the real people, which is great. Um, and 
yeah, the, the songs in the credits, which I keep talking up on, um, the, the first one, I, I always thought it was Ascension that we hear first, but Ascension, uh, by Holly Johnson, who is the lead singer of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, if you think he sounds familiar oh. to Two Tribes and, uh, you know, relax, that's him. Uh, and then the other song, which is, uh, I had it here and it's gone, uh, but it's a great song. <laughs> Uh, out of the sky, I think it is, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's Eddie the Eagle. Great. And just, I will say, the, the, the closing bit when he lands and just jump plays and just, well, I think we've said it in all four of these movies, maybe not I, Tonya, but at least all three of these movies that we've done full recaps on that, you know, these are the men's movies where we get a bit teary. We get a bit like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah like, come on. This is great. Um, and yes, that was me in this movie. Uh, yeah, I'll, kind of go backwards here a little bit but uh i I just don't want to forget about the 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 sweater i'm eddie's mom i'm eddie's dad which it is very cool but i i instantly had the question watching this that you know i'm sure he's big and famous and everything because of this but eddie's a pretty common name so like when he walks down the street is somebody stopping he's like you're eddie o'brien's dad it's like no 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 the other eddie smith no 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 the other one eddie murphy I see the resemblance. <laughs> it's just like any Eddie in the world. Like, I'm Eddie's dad. Um, <laughs> it, it probably would have been a little bit better if it said Eddie the Eagle's dad. But yeah, it's a cool moment. That's, and again, completely ripped out of Cool Runnings. And I saw that coming. I, I was thinking throughout the movie with the way they were portraying the dad. I'm like, are we going to get a moment on the end where the dad opens his shirt and it's going to say, go Eddie the Eagle or something like that? And we completely <laughs> got it. Uh, well, I guess we're covering all the Olympic stuff here. I mean, I already gave my opinion on him sleeping through the opening ceremonies. It is still heartbreaking, regardless of whether it was his fault or not. It's kind of heartbreaking that he missed this because I would guess, especially for these athletes who aren't going to win, like there are a lot of people who are just happy to compete at the Olympics, even if you are last. I'm sure the second last place guy, you know, what made his trip was the opening or closing ceremonies. So for him to miss that, I mean, that's a huge deal. Um, and that's, you know, where, I think most athletes want that or the closing ceremonies, which is why sometimes they can't stay for the whole thing. It's very rare that you'll have somebody who's there for the opening and closing. Usually like the first week athletes are there for the opening, the the second week for the closing ceremonies. Obviously, Eddie Eagle did not have a plastering job to get to <laughs> because he would have been able to attend both otherwise. Um, I don't really get this whole, you know, everybody's against him. It's kind of the same thing with cool runnings. When you watch it now, and maybe it would be different if I didn't know a little bit more about the real story, but it's, it seems so far-fetched that anybody would care that much that they would want to, you know, hold him out of this restaurant or whatever. But when I saw the scene, I kind of interpreted it differently, and I think it's the wrong way to interpret it, that when he gets held out of the restaurant and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, we got something better, where it actually was like, no, Eddie, we have a bigger surprise for you. Everyone in the world wants to talk to you. <laughs> That's the way I kind of saw that scene the first time I was watching it. I think that is definitely wrong, though, but... Because in that scene, when they're talking about, you know, wh- why are we putting this guy in front of cameras? It goes, because everybody wants to talk about him. He's the biggest story we have. And especially this being the Winter Olympics and Calgary kind of being those first games that became, you know, really big as far as winter sports goes with, you know, media attention and all that. I mean, stories like this were a big deal. That's why Cool Runnings was such a big deal because it got people interested in a sport they may not have watched just because it was so unusual. Um, all of his jumps, they completely make this up. Not just the fact that it's one jump as opposed to three. If you look up the results of his regular jumps, he was far worse than the movie was making <laughs> out to be. Which, I, In a way, I feel like it would have made it more of a satisfying finish. 
because his first two jumps that he had uh, in this 70 meter hill was like below what his Olympic or his Great Britain record are. I mean, of the six jumps he completed, I believe three of these are below that Great Britain mm. three or 34 meters record. I mean, it was terrible what he did. And even his final jumps are not nearly as impressive. I think his 90-meter jump on the end is actually less than his 70-meter jumps. Which obviously, you're going to want that to be the climax of your movie. But do they even say on the 90-meter one what his distance was on the end of this? Or did they just sort of show everybody clapping? No, I think they do, because they, they, they do. Because you see the screen that says Great Britain Record and uh, oh, TV. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like 71 or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not that. But yeah, no, you're right. Like, the real jumps are a lot less than that. Yeah. <laughs> Like he was, he was terrible. I mean, this would have been the guy that was being booed out of the the park because he was bad. <laughs> but um, the ski jumping thing is, I mean, Casper was watching on and off throughout the movie, and I thought it was the ski jumping that got him, and I wasn't really sure because every once in a while, I'm like, "Hey, look, he's jumping again." And he'd look and he kind of smile and then look away. During um, one of these uh, Olympic ones. When he got airborne, it wasn't the final one. When he got airborne, he started like doing this really screaming babble, and I thought he was upset at what he was seeing. But it was like, <laughs> and it went on and on like twenty seconds of this, and he's pointing at the screen. He's like, "Are you guys watching what's happening right now? A man is flying. You don't understand what you're missing." And he was like getting really stressed out that we weren't watching this closely enough. Um, and then, of course, the ending, which, uh, you know, I'll just cover Casper's reaction to this now because I put up a video of this, too, because uh, when he landed the jump, everybody started clapping and Casper decided to join in. And he started, like, clapping. Like, re- the video I took was maybe 30 seconds later when he had started to calm down. But he was clapping and like, ah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, he got so into this. And it was the weirdest thing ever because the only time he ever gets that reaction to anything is watching Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie the Eagle are like the cream of the crop for entertainment. And we know what's more educational. Clearly, Eddie the Eagle. (laughs) Stupid Peppa Pig. But hey, the kid has a dream now, you know? He's either going to be a pig. pig (laughs) Daddy, I want to be a pig. (laughs) No, be a ski jumper. Um... Yeah, the Jim Broadbent, okay, between the two, Christopher Walken or Jim Broadbent and cam- commentary, which one, I didn't know either of them were in this movie. Which one gave you the double take more? Um, well, I think kind of when you actually see the fact that Christopher Walken was on a book early on and you heard his voice, you're going to assume that he's going to be in it at some point. Um, probably Jim Broadbent. Or Ball. even that point, did, did you look at that and be like, Christopher Walken is in this movie? Um... No, probably more Jim Broadbent, just because, yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere, whereas, I don't know, like, I maybe I knew that he was in this film or something when I looked it up before I watched it, so maybe it wasn't a big surprise to me, but, uh, yeah, I think I, think I They're knew. They're both here. <laughs> like, it is bizarre, and I just tried looking through, I mean, the main connector here for all these movies isn't actually even the director, it's um uh, the producer, Matthew Vaughn, which I don't know if you're that familiar with Matthew Vaughn, um... He, I mean, he started out as a producer for Guy Ritchie on all Guy Ritchie's early movies. Oh, Guy Ritchie! And then he got into, you know, Guy Ritchie. Yes. Yeah, I wonder who. So why, you must know. Matt. Why? Why would I know Guy Ritchie? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, your love for Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I'm hoping. His ex-wife. 
his ex-wife, I never knew he was married. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> hey, hey, I actually really like one of his films. It's called Swept Away. We should cover it. <laughs> oh, we, I, I'm so obligated to cover it now. <laughs> what was, what, we made a bet, didn't we, that you had to watch it for it something? It was a second, uh, yeah, if, um, uh, if I show you another episode of Impractical Jokers ah. and you're not willing to rent one of their stunts. Right. We still have to do that. Anyway, move on. <laughs> uh, but, of course, Matthew Vaughn went on to become a director and, you know, has probably exceeded even Matthew Vaughn now because he did, like, X-Men First Class and the Kingsman movies. Um, I thought he would be, like, the connector because most of these actors in this movie were in something with Matthew Vaughn. And when you see cameos like this, it's usually somebody doing a favor. I don't know who Jim Broadbent and Christopher Walken are doing favors for in this movie, but it does not make any sense that but they would Eddie sign on Edwards to this. And in real life, Eddie Edwards yeah, is circulating in Hollywood. He just made friends with these people. <laughs> yeah, like he has, you know, uh, Christopher Walken and um, Jim Broadbent over to his uh, house for like tapas parties and stuff. <laughs> hey, Christopher, you want to come over this weekend? <laughs> My mate Hugh, you met him, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> there's Jim Broadbent over there. That's the only other thing that makes sense. But like the Jim Broadbent one's hilarious though, because I think as opposed to the Christopher Walken where he shows up and it's almost like he had a bigger role in the movie that was all cut. You know, in this, you see the book and you're expecting something big, and then he just sort of walks into a room at the end. And you're like, okay, and I guess it fits him because he's a big star, and you this guy's supposed to be the big star of ski jumping or whatever. So. You get that reaction with Jim Broadbent. It's almost like the role is a blink and you miss it. His name is a British commentator. That is the <laughs> character's name. He is a British commentator, not even the British commentator, a British commentator. <laughs> and he's on screen with some other random guy. And he has like six lines in this movie. And he's Jim freaking Broadbent. Like, I don't understand. He should just play himself. Like, Jim Broadbent as himself. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Jim Broadbent. He's just commentating the Olympics again. <laughs> you know him best from replacing Sean Connery in the job. And that was Christopher Walken. It's kind of like, you know how Daniel Craig became a stormtrooper just because they were filming Bond next door to yeah. Star Wars? So Christopher Walken's filming a movie next door. This isn't actually him acting. He's just walking on set. What's going on here? Exactly. In, in England in 2015, there were two big things going on. There are those people that's like, I'm going to be in Star Wars. And those people like, forget that. I'm going next door. I'm going to be in Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> that's how these people end up in the movie. Uh, but it's still great. It's Jim Broadbent. And that last shot where he's going down the 90 meter one and it's the slow motion. And it is meant to kind of be funny at the same time. Like this movie has a really good balance between just like Cool Runnings, yeah. a good balance between the comedy and the drama. It's this heroic moment. But yet the slow motion is done so slow. The expressions on everybody's face is absolutely ridiculous, and that's why we both picked it as our profile picks, because they look hilarious watching this in slow-mo, and I don't know if they intended to be – well, I'm, they obviously intended it to get a laugh, but was this just something in post-production where they're like, let's see what it looks like if we slow them down a hundred times, you know? And it, it totally adds to the scene because everybody is shocked regardless that he made this jump now they shouldn't be because in reality his final jump was not that impressive <laughs> i think every single one of his 90 meter jumps was less than what he got in the 70 meters so there's the other thing that would kind of spoil this ending is if you realize in the real story yes he decided to do the 90 meter one and he actually flopped at it even worse and he probably should have stuck with the seven. like how do you go off a bigger jump and somehow get less distance 
I don't know what Eddie the Eagle was doing, but it was it was terrible. <laughs> it's being British. I mean, it's such a. I mean, I was I was watching this movie and enjoying it, and there wasn't a single moment in this movie I wasn't enjoying it. But I was always asking myself that question: I'm like, do I really want to get behind this guy? I mean, it, I like him as a person. He seems fun. He's kind of a guy who became famous because he's celebrated in a funny way, which is big here in Canada. That's how John Montgomery, you know, uh, who won gold in the skeleton, became the host of the Amazing Race Canada because he had a great celebration. And Justine Deferla Point, our most famous mogul skier, you know, she's famous because she had a hilarious celebration. But that's kind of just what he made him famous. And I wasn't sure I wanted to get behind the story the same way as I did, like Miracle and Cool Runnings. But then the way that this moment is filmed, like it's like you said, this is the guy's tearjerker moment. You're like, go for it, Eddie, come on. Ah, mommy, dad, I... <laughs> I was thinking the same thing as Casper was at the end of this. Um, it's, what's interesting, um, um, I, I, I think lots of things are interesting. I'm just trying to work out what's interesting. Um, w- when you look at... <laughs> I really shouldn't be a podcast host. People who are podcast hosts generally know what they're talking about, but apparently I've it's just... It's because you had a dream. And I so had I a dream, damn it! Minimum. <laughs> you hit bare minimum, and now you got a podcast. I'm Eddie the Eagle. I'm Ben the Beagle, all right? That's who I am of podcasting, all right? I'm the bad guy, just as long as he's done it, right? It doesn't matter whether I'm good at it. It's just, you know, I won two awards in Eastern Europe. Shut up. Um, But, like, when you go to... <laughs> Ben the Beagle. Uh, Eddie the Eagle's page on Wikipedia, the real Eddie Edwards, it's got down the bottom the see also section, like comparisons. So it's got, you know, Eric Musambani, the guy, you know, I was telling you about before. Uh, you got three others here who I guess are similar people. Philip Bolt, Trevor Misapecker, and Vinko Bogard. Uh, but they've got Stephen Bradbury, who of course is our first ever Olympic gold medalist from Australia, who famously won because everyone fell over in front of him. Um, but, like, I can see the loose comparison, but at the same time, like, if you actually read up Stephen Bradbury's story, he's not an Eddie the Eagle, because he actually was, like, a world champion. He was ranked top ten in speed skating in the world for the majority of his career. It wasn't like he was a bumbling buffoon. He was actually good at the sport. Um, but, yeah, so the jumps in the real, in the real world... So on the normal hill, he jumped 34.1 metres, 35.1 metres, for a total of 69.2. The nearest competitor uh, was the esteemed Bernat Solar of Spain, uh, who jumped 73.2, 67.2, for a total of 140.1. So pretty much both of his jumps were almost more than his combined totals. And then in the large hill, he jumped, jumped 30.0, 27.5. So yeah, you're right. Less than he did in the smaller hill for a total of 57.5 meters. The next competitor was Canada's Todd Gilman, Mr. Ski Jump, yeah. as I know he's referred to in <laughs> some circles in Canada. Uh, he jumped 80.8. Then he only jumped 30.0 in his second jump. Uh, so failure there for Canada. Um, so yeah, his jumps were pretty rubbish. Um, uh, like worse than the ones in this movie that he was laughed at for before he got on the European circuit. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, the final one, the, the final, if we're taking it as the final jump of this movie that is the climax, the, the big deal, he jumped 27.5 meters. <laughs> That is only five meters more 
Then the uh, the record holder from 1928. Hey, look. And I- seven meters shorter than his first jump ever. Again, like, the Australian record is probably, like, half a meter. So, like, I can probably <laughs> do this. Um, there's an ad going on. We talked a little bit about on our Off the Podium one. Download now via iTunes. Uh, about the, the coverage of our networks. The ad's going on right now for Channel 7 about the Winter Olympics. It's like, if you can jump over the length of the Sydney Opera House, then you're an Olympian. And they've got, like, this, you know, mocked-up vision of a ski jumper coming down and jumping over the Sydney Opera House. So, come on, Eddie. Edwards, I want to see you do this. Come to Australia. Ski jump over the They're Sydney really Opera. trying to land a ski jumper in Australia, aren't they? Oh, I'm They've so- got commercials on TV. Will somebody finally do this? <laughs> I'm telling you Eddie now. Eddie the Eagle I'm, jumped in the Olympics. I'm calling this now. In 30 years' time, Australia will be the best in the world at ski jumping, right? We're going to do it. We will be the best. We're going to start it up, the Australian Ski Jumping Federation. Uh, it's going to happen. I laugh when Australia beat Canada in the moguls in 2006. And here we are 12 <laughs> years later, and it's probably going to happen again. Did we technically, though? Because it kind of was a Canadian. Yeah, he was Canadian. <laughs> a Canadian living in Australia, competing for... It's like the guy the, the, the guy from Eritrea this year, who's from <laughs> Fort McMurray, Alberta. Like, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It's still a duck. So, like, <laughs> if, if it says a bootnay and looks like an bootnay, it's still Canadian, right? Like, come on. <laughs> I don't care what country flag he's got, but hello, Dale Begg Smith, if you're listening. You are an Australian icon. Uh, <laughs> and also a Canadian one. Uh, so, um, reviews of this film are good. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. This is a fairly, fairly new film. I was aware that it was being made. And I think the only reason I never saw this at the cinema is because I didn't realise it was out. It barely got any advertising here. And then by the time I think I looked it up again, it was out in DVD. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't get to the see that. The same thing happened here. Yeah. Like, I, I usually follow movie releases pretty closely, and I'll, every month or so, I'll go through any new trailers that have come out within the next the past month. And I remember the weekend this came out, sort of looking on IMDb and was saying, movies being released this weekend. It said, Eddie the Eagle. And I'm like, what's that? Clicked on, like, Hugh Jackman. I'm like, there's a Hugh Jackman movie out this weekend? <laughs> Uh, so it's got an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so it's pretty high. 6.5 out of 10 is the average rating, which is this, I mean, sure, maybe I, Tonya might have higher ones, but, um, would this there be, therefore be the second highest ratings? I think Miracle only had some in the 70% sitting in on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think uh, Cool Ratings might have been in the 60 percentiles. So I'm guessing off the top of my head, this might be at least the second highest. Out of the... Out of the four movies. <laughs> well, I mean, it's still, you know, just, we did that with, like, the Spider-Man, excuse me, movies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, while you're looking that up quickly, I'll just say that, um, the site consensus reads, Eddie the Eagle's, uh, amiable sweetness can't disguise its story's many inspirational cliches, but for many viewers, it will be more than enough to make up for them. Can I just point out, for a sporting movie, is it not hard to, like, you kind of have to have cliches in sporting movies, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. Name me one sports movie that does not have cliches. That's the one movie genre that you just kind of have to have them, you know? Like, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid them like the plague. There's a cliche. Um, so, uh, Metacritic, uh, 54 out of 100. Uh, Alonso Duraldi of the rap wrote, Eddie the Eagle is designed for audiences who will throw their weight behind the film's schmaltz and sentimentality. Anyone unwilling to commit to the movie's shamelessness will feel like they've hit the ground headfirst. Kenya Buzz 
Is that like the BuzzFeed of Kenya? Um, big ski jumping movie fans there in Kenya called it a must watch saying it's positively impetuous and unbearably affectionate. A sports writer who attended the event in which real Eddie competed doesn't say who. It just says a sports writer. A sports writer. Played by Jim Broadbent. (laughs) Exactly. Three (laughs) generations of my family love this film. You can't believe most of it, but you can believe in it. That's a subtle but important difference. Um, So there you go. It was nominated for Best British Film at the Empire Awards in 2017. The Golden Tomato Awards. It finished fifth in the Best British Film Awards. The Best British Film was a different category. Um, the Golden Trailer Awards. It was nominated for Best Animation Family. Animation? What? Animation. <laughs> and for the Teen Choice Awards in 2016, Dar- Taron Egerton was nominated for Choice Movie Actor Drama. And uh, what was its Rotten Tomatoes rating? 80%. Okay, so it's tied with Miracle. Miracle was 80 as well. So what is I, Tonya? Do you have that on you? or? Um, are you willing to edit? And uh, cleverly? No. <laughs> 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 Who's going to Google it faster? We're both doing it right now. Uh, it has... Nine. 90. Okay. But you also have to say, like, with any movie, it's going to be at its highest when it first comes out. And I'm sure, sure that, like, Miracle was in the 90s and... You know, Eddie the Eagle might have been in the 90s at the time. It's still, I mean, the, I guess the point well, I'm trying to make. Would, go ahead. Well, I was just to say, how would you rank these movies? Well, I was going to I was gonna get us to do that in a moment. Um, but just before we do, the, my point that I was just going to say is that this movie, I think, has a lot higher ratings than the box office and everything. Like, this is a film that I feel, like, as we just kind of said, slipped under the radar and not a lot of people realize this is a film. Um and it's actually funny, at the time of recording this, it's actually on TV. The premiere, the Australian TV premiere is tomorrow night, Monday night. So we're releasing this on the Friday. Our the Canadian one is tomorrow afternoon. That's funny. There you go. So, like, legitimately, you're going to hear this episode on a Friday, the day of the opening ceremony. But this week in Australia, the, like, last night on TV, Cool Runnings was on. Tomorrow night, Eddie the Eagles. And I haven't seen Miracle on yet, but it's probably, like, on daytime on right now while we're recording this. We have... All three aired back to back. Oh, really? <laughs> they listen to the old network. All you listeners, <laughs> join in once that marathon is completed. Um, I might actually. We'll do the rankings of all four when we do our reviews and stuff. Because I'll just quickly go to the box office here. Um, so this was more successful overseas than it was uh, in North America. So it actually only made uh, fifteen million seven hundred eighty-nine thousand three hundred eighty-nine dollars in the US and Canada, uh, but overseas it did make thirty million three hundred sixty-three thousand uh, four hundred eleven. Which, if I click on that, I'm going to assume most of that is in the UK. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, Twelve million in the UK. Uh, so there you go. Made a million and a half dollars in South Korea. Uh, $1,200,000 in Germany. How much did it make in Australia? It's made $5 million here in Australia. So maybe I'm underselling it that it didn't pass under the, the radar. We're the second highest country foreign, uh, behind the UK. So, uh, there you go. Um, it was on a budget of 23 million. So total, it made $46 million worldwide on a budget of 23 million. So it made its money back. Um, and the opening weekend, uh, it was sixth on the weekend that out it was third out of new movies so new movies that weekend were gods of egypt and triple nine what the hell is triple nine um oh i saw it's like a heist movie it's got like casey affleck in it and gal gadot oh okay that that one 
Um, yeah. But the top movie that weekend was Deadpool in its third week, um, Kung Fu Panda 3 in its fifth week, and Risen in its second week. Uh, so there you go. Um, incidentally enough, Star Wars The Force Awakens was in its 11th week, made $2 million that weekend, so only $4 million less than Eddie the Eagle. So Eddie the Eagle could put on its poster, It Outgrows Star Wars The The Force Awakens, with little asterisks underneath on its opening weekend. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to comment on the box office before we get into our ratings. I mean, it's it's, it's one of these, I guess, it was never going to be a blockbuster, you know? I mean, we've kind of gone over that, haven't we? Yeah. I think in all our ratings, like, we won't go over them again, but, you know, sports films haven't exactly rated exactly higher, and particularly Olympics films. Take out Blades of Glory, again, not an Olympics film. Um, and, you know, well, really, the average of an Olympics movie is around the sort of 60, 70 million dollar mark, so it's really not that shy away from it, is it? I think Miracle is the highest grossing of all the ones you've had here, and probably the only one that cool running, really yeah. qualified is Cool Runnings made more? Uh, 68 million. Miracle made 64. Oh, okay. I don't know, but where's I, Tonya, in this? <laughs> it's probably getting up there, but of course, you're looking at 20 years later from Cool Runnings, so I guess Cool Runnings just based on the fact that the box office I'm, you know, is higher than Miracle, but uh, ticket prices were lower than. I mean, adjusted gross, Cool Runnings was probably the biggest hit. But I think Miracle was the one that probably had the biggest impact when it first came out. Because I don't remember Cool Runnings being as big of a deal, like, on opening weekend. It was one of these things that... And that was sort of 1993 a difference then as well, is that a movie would sort of slowly build over time. Whereas now, it's like, your opening weekend is it. So when Eddie the Eagle makes $6 million, they're like, well, this is the best we could hope for. We we shot for bare minimum and we just made it. <laughs> um, I Tonya made twenty million. As sorry, so far made twenty million. So yeah, no, it hasn't actually. Uh, done, it just literally opened in Australia this weekend and it actually hasn't got here worldwide gross. It's only got domestically. Wait, so. how did you cover this on a recap four weeks ago? I flew to America and watched it, of course, Colin. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, what else would I have done? Uh, alright, so we'll do our review then, I guess, yeah, good idea, we'll rank these. Um, so, what are you doing with this? Are you buying it, renting it, or binning it? Um, I'm definitely gonna buy it. I think we bought all four of these movies, uh, at least I have. Um, and I wasn't 100% sure if I was gonna go rent it at some points during this movie, but it just, it gets better the longer it goes on, and the fact that this could have very well been the guy that qualified, you know, with that seniors jump, which is hilarious. I didn't even comment on how funny it is that he competed in a seniors tournament and that got him into the Olympics or could have gotten him <laughs> in the Olympics. But then the middle section where he was really training hard, I mean, you, you get kind of that rocky vibe out of it. And that's, that's what really saves this movie from just being a carbon copy of, uh, Cool Runnings and just the character himself. I mean, I'm not saying this is a better movie than Cool Runnings. I'm not saying I enjoy it more than Cool Runnings, but I feel like as far as all four of these movies I've done, um, the Eddie character is probably my favorite character in any of these four movies. Like, I think he's just such a great character, and Taron Egerton did such a good job here. I would not, is he getting a nominee for? Should he have gotten nominated for an Oscar? Probably not, but it's not as a dramatic movie. This is just sort of a fun movie, and uh, it works on every level it wants to. It works as a sports movie and a comedy and everything else. So, I think just as this movie was ending, you know, Jamie was really responding well to it, you know, applauding along with Casper for a minute straight. <laughs> um, 
And she asked me, she's like, how come you don't own this movie? I'm like, I've never seen it before. <laughs> I mean, if I had seen it, I would have bought it. So I'm probably going to go out and buy this thing tomorrow. My my favorite um, character in all four of these movies is horny German bartender. Uh, just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> mine's yeah. a British commentator, yeah. <laughs> but then Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> um, mine's the bobsled in Cool Runnings. I think underrated character. Um, you know, the way it handled that crash was really, really good. Um, yeah, buy it, absolutely. I mean, um, I've bought all, all four of these as well, um, which is, is that... Did you buy all the DC? No, you rented Suicide Squad, didn't you? I rented Suicide Squad, even though I did buy it in real life. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd bought all four of those. So this is, I think, the second time I've bought all of them. Um, so, and that will probably happen again in Jurassic Park month. Um, I don't know about Jurassic Park 3. No, fucking, I'm buying Jurassic Park 3. I'll just criticise it the most. Um, but it's still a good film. Uh, <laughs> coming soon to the Oz Network. I'm too excited for that. But yeah, I, I definitely buy this movie. Uh, it's great. I, yeah, it's only the second time I've seen it, but it just, it does strike a chord with you. I think even the first time you watch it, you just remember it. Like, wow, this is such a good movie. And it's, it's fun. It's just entertaining. You're not bored in this film at all. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I, I would probably maybe agree with you that Eddie's the best character in all four of these. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, Nancy Kerrigan was pretty good in I, Tonya, the three seconds we saw of her. <laughs> why? Why? Um, but yeah, how would you rate these then out of these four? Because I actually was thinking of this. I was like, how would I rate these four films? As in, in order. Yeah. And it's tough because I, Tonya is a completely different movie from the other three. It's not an uplifting sports story. It's kind of like a quirky comedy uh, sports story. But... Uh, the big argument for me is whether I would say Cool Runnings, which we kind of said in the beginning, this is definitely our favorite of all the movies. And it probably still is just because it's a childhood favorite of mine. But if I'm looking at these movies objectively, and I think I said this last week, I think that Miracle is the best of these four movies and the one that, that gets me pumped up the most. Uh, if I hadn't seen Cool Runnings as a kid, it, it uh, may not even be in second. But, I mean, I do love Cool Runnings so much just uh, as like a childhood favorite movie of mine. So that would probably be my second um, even though I probably would enjoy watching Eddie the Eagle more and I'd be more likely to watch it again than to I, Tonya, I think just the fact that I, Tonya is so different for a sports movie and just the, the scenes involving the attack on Nancy Kerrigan and the guy attacking the guy on the street and little things like that. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, I feel like that's a movie that's going to age well too. Uh, Eddie the Eagle would be the fourth, but again, I buy all four of these movies, so it's not a knock to say that Eddie the Eagle would be my last of these four. And that's where I'm going to be similar in the fact that I think it's difficult. Like, it's similar what you went off at me, I think, when I put Wonder Woman as like four out of the Justice, uh, the DC ones. It wasn't that I disliked it, it was just the ones that I liked better ahead of it. But, um, I'm putting Cool Runnings as number one just because, you know, I said that's pretty much in my top ten films of all time. Uh, even when like, um, last night when Cool Runnings was on TV, and it was about to come on. My dad's like, oh, one of your favorite movies is on TV tonight, Ben. I'm like, oh, Cool Runnings. Yeah, I know. Um, so I'm putting Cool Runnings number one. I'm going to put uh, Eddie the Eagle number two just because I just enjoy it so much. I just, I could just watch this film as much as I've watched Cool Runnings in my life. Um, I'm going to put Miracle 3 just because, you know, again, it's, I've only seen that twice, but, you know, just remember how good it was. Uh, and I, Tonya, again, there's no disrespect to I, Tonya. I've only seen it the once. It's new, and I agree with you. I think it's a film that's going to age well, and I think it's one that I would gladly watch multiple times. All four of these films, I can gladly watch multiple times, but I just put I, Tonya last just because it's the newest. It's only been seen once. Um, and it's kind of like when you see a movie for the first time, you watch it differently to when you see it for the second or the third time. So, um, but I, I definitely think that when I fly back to America to watch it again, <clears throat> it, um, will be. <laughs> Good. Um, but, yeah, hashtag Margot Robbie for Oscar. Um, 
Alice and Jenny's going to get one, but uh, I'd like to see Margot Robbie pull off the upset because I I think she was bloody good in it. Um, so we are basically done right now. Uh, that's it for this episode. It's also it for Winter Olympics month. It's been fun. We don't need to do a Winter Olympics preview episode because we've already done that over on the Off the Podium podcast. Off the Podium. Available now via iTunes. Really now it's kind of going to be, uh, in terms of the Oz Network, just in our film coverage. You know our TV show ones are all up regularly, uh, you know, through all the different... Uh, days that come across the week and some great interviews coming up as well. But for our movies, we're kind of, in a way, taking a bit of time off. Uh, obviously, Colin and I are focusing a lot of attention on the Olympics on Off the Podium. But it's really going to be about the Oscars. Uh, we're looking at maybe doing some sort of mini episodes about some of the best picture films in the lead up to that. Uh, and maybe we'll at least do a sort of predictions episode or something along those lines, which I think we're going to tie in slightly to, I guess, what were our best films of 2017. Um, you know, that necessarily aren't Oscar contenders. Um, but then really, I think our next ones we're going to be doing are the two Tomb Raider films, are they not? Uh, in the lead up to the new yeah. Tomb Raider, which I know you're excited for. I'm excited for the new one, not excited to rewatch <laughs> the first two. <laughs> uh, anything you want to say about the, the, I mean, you have often groaned every time in Double Oz 7, also available via iTunes. Whenever I would bring up Daniel Craig and Tomb Raider, the collective groans. So, uh, obviously, not two of your favourite films in your entire life? No, I mean, I, I will say, I, I saw the first one when it first came out and just hated it. And it's probably still the only time I've ever seen it. I've seen bits and pieces when it's on TV. I'm like, just to see if it holds up well. And I don't think it does. The second one, I actually thought it looked better than the first when it first came out. And it still took me probably, uh, like, what year did that come out? In 2004, 2003? It it took me close to 10 years to watch the second <laughs> Tomb Raider movie. And when I eventually did watch it, I didn't hate it. But I also was not expecting a lot out of it. And I remember almost nothing now other than I think there was some scene that took place in Hong Kong or something like that. But <laughs> it's it's going to be you know very new for me rewatching those movies. I'm not expecting my opinion to change much, but... Uh, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. I think the uh, second one is actually better than the first one. Uh, but it's actually, I'll be honest with you, it's been a while since I've seen both of them. Um, I used to watch them a lot growing up, but it's just, they've just been ones that I, over the years I've just not watched in a while. Uh, I remember the last time I watched them, uh, the special effects definitely do not hold up. Um, so that's something. Early 2000s special effects really showing their age already. But uh, stay tuned for that. And, yeah, stay tuned for our Oscar ones. We'll have more details of those when they come out. But it's been a lot of fun bringing you these Winter Olympics episodes uh, until Beijing 2022 when they've made the biopic on Stephen Bradbury um, and the guy who hosts Canadian Amazing Race that I've forgotten his name already. Um, John Montgomery. Yes, him. The Sidney Crosby biopic about 2010 Vancouver. Uh, you know, surely they've made a Wayne Gretzky biopic by then. Who knows? There's got to be more Winter Olympics movies in the next four years for us to cover in four years' time for Beijing. Uh, but stay tuned to us, of course. Uh, subscribe. You know how to do it. Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Leave us some feedback. We'd appreciate it. Uh, if you're on Facebook, like us. If you're on Twitter, follow us. If you're on Instagram, follow us. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. If you're on um, the other ones, then we're not on them, so get over it. Uh, but it's been fun, and we'll be back with more movie coverage soon. My name is Ben, and I'd rather be a drunken fool than a sober coward. And my name is Colin, and I did the bare minimum to get on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.